0: Hello and welcome to the 250, your weekly and occasionally hourly podcast. Look at the IMDb's top 250 movies of all time, the bottom 100, and sometimes movie franchises that have never been on the list in any way, shape, or form. Now, I know we made a promise when we talked about the original Child's Play that we were never going to talk about the series again, that it was going to be a one-and-done and and we just weren't ever going to mention it again, but listener feedback to the episode that we just released was so overwhelming... That we had to get the gang back together immediately. To Very talk,
1: short notice. An
0: incredible short notice to talk about Child's Play two. Now I want people to know this is not. We're not committing to this. This is this is a two and done.
1: No, no. We they, we we want to be a podcast that's worthy of its name to two fifty, and occasionally talk about movies that are actually on the two fifty. Yeah,
0: yeah. You know that's it. Like we don't want it, we don't want it to be absurd. We're not going to do the whole Chucky series. That would be. We'll absurd. make one
1: exception. All right, right, two.
0: Two. Two exceptions, two. Yeah, but anyway, I. I'm your host. This
1: is our one exception to only making one exception, yeah.
2: though. Yes, crucial. Yeah. It's ironic. The, the Chad's play film that deserves to be in the bottom 250 is number three. <laughs>
0: that is our guest the wonderful J. Banda Hagen um, jumping in there with a hot take I don't actually think it's probably it's probably not that much of a hot take probably not
1: did did you mention something along those lines
3: before I
0: I, I thought I I thought I had a good poker face I thought I played it (laughs) when we brought up the series and the opinions about like which Chucky movie was the bad movie I thought I was unreadable but apparently I was very readable is what Andrew's telling
1: me yeah I I feel like didn't we establish in a previous episode that that you, you only have a good poker face when actually Playing poker, yeah.
0: <laughs> and I, it does help that I think, like when we when this podcast idea began with our other guest, the wonderful Charlene Leiden. How are you, Charlene? Hello. I think when this podcast idea originated, at the end of our episode talking about some like it hot, I think that like part of the point of discussion was that yes, Charles Play Three is the bad one. <laughs> um, so even like from the outset, it's been agreed. But we are not talking about Child's Play 3. We are, in fact, talking about Child's Play 2, the 1990 sequel to Child's Play, directed by John Lafia who has a screenplay credit on the original film. Um, but before we talk about that, we've got a fantastic guest joining us. You've already heard
2: her talk. Demanda, how are you? How are things? I am perfectly fine. I gotta say, I am utterly... Confuzzled because i you know was going to do this whole comedic bit where i was going to pretend that you wanted me to watch the entirety of you know chucky season two and then i'd be all perplexed and i have no (laughs) idea what's going on but then i remembered i haven't seen chucky series two yet so i had to watch Um, child's play two instead well i mean look at least you know from
0: this podcast that there will be no pressure to make you watch chucky season two because this is when we're, we're finished this is the end of the line for us but you you haven't watched chucky season two have you watched the rest of the child's play franchise
2: Oh yeah, Child's Play, the Child's Play one's the best 80s slasher franchise by far. Nice. I like that. That's Andrew is you're already you're already on
0: Team Andrew. Team Andrew is already like <laughs> I like I like Devon as a guest here. What <laughs> can you can you elaborate on that? What is it about the Child's Play franchise that makes it the best of the 80s slasher franchises?
2: Um the highest uh, percentage of good films to bad films. Because it's only got one bad film, it's got a couple of not great ones, but everything else is, you know, a, a well above average. Plus, it's probably helped with the fact that unlike all the rest of them, this is literally an auteur work by, by you know, uh, Don Mancini. So the other one's just anyone else, especially the Hellraiser, is just people, random people throw in random ideas and most of the time they don't work. Well, Don Mancini is just, it's his baby and it's so it's got that consistency. And, come- and it's a good consistency. Can I ask you, are, when
1: you say this is the best of the eighties kind of horror franchises, are you including any that started like in the seventies? In nineteen seventy nine. Yeah. Or, or 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 is it just, or and or is it all kind of of them that were kind of you know chock and block in the eighties?
2: Yes, Child's Play is better than Halloween and the Texas Chainsaw Massacre. As a franchise, <laughs> Halloween has a lot of terrible films. And and I guess Alien. Which, 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 that, that's
0: Andrew keeps bringing this. Andrew keeps trying to, and I, I guess like this is not an. This is not the podcast for this argument. But I
3: admire Andrew's commitment to it, which <laughs> is, alien, is like
0: not Alien slasher. is a slasher. Mo- there
2: we go. Yes. <laughs> Whenever the xenomorph has a fucking machete, you can have an argument. But until then, no.
1: It, 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 it has a, a a vagina dick that, 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 that that's. I guess it slashes true people.
0: Really. <laughs> it, does, it slashes with the tail and with the mouth. It penetrates, which yeah, is, yeah, you know, arguably, um, perhaps what one might argue at a very loose definition of a slasher, We're like you know, I mean, it does hack more than slash. Probably would be the best way to describe it. it. Drips. It does it's a big drips. <laughs> it's got big dripping. Is it energy, fair to energy? say
4: <laughs> that the first Alien is the only one that is slasher adjacent? Aliens?
1: Definitely, aliens isn't. No. Alien three would um, be
0: if it
4: was.
0: Kind of, yeah. I th- thank you, Jimanda. Um, but um,
1: yeah, it, if it, the 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 first uh, the the uh, Alien and Alien three seem like they're in the same kind of genre.
4: Yeah, they
0: do seem of a piece. Um, yeah, I, I love, by the way, that this is our Chucky season. Like, is <laughs> Alien a slasher movie? Okay, if we're expanding, um, we had a-
2: if we're expanding slasher to include Alien, then okay. How about this? The Ghost in the Darkness is totally, you know, basically like Scream. You got two killers who are killing a <laughs> bunch of people, and clearly, we don't yeah, we don't know what the Lions are thinking in The Ghost in Darkness, but clearly, they're really obsessed with pop culture and really ironic and killing people ironically.
0: Yeah, that well clearly the same movie. That that's an exa- <laughs> I mean like. Val Kilmer was our generation's Nev Campbell. Um, does that like does that make Michael Douglas our Courtney Cox? Yes.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> yes. Okay. Um. But let's talk a little bit about Child's Play. Like, Jamanda, do you remember who's Mac Dillon?
1: Oh, 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 okay. <laughs> yeah, um, I beg oh, your pardon. Okay.
0: I am going yeah. going to exert rare host like <laughs> obligation and responsibility here and drag us kicking and screaming back <laughs> to the subject. Um. Jemanda, do you remember the first time you saw? the original child's play. How did you come to the series? Did you watch it in order? And like, do you have any particular attachment to Chucky himself as opposed to the franchise? You mentioned the franchise is the best of the 80s slasher franchises. What about Chucky himself, Charles Lee Ray?
2: I did not grow up with horror films. My parents were very strict in that regard, which, you know, I'm pretty sure, I'm pretty sure they're kicking themselves now, given, you know, if they'd got it out of my system when I was younger, you know, I might have a very different career now, but the first one I saw was Bride of Chucky, whenever it was first out in VHS. So I was late nineties, two thousands. So. Yeah, so I was like, you know, sixteen, seventeen, someone like that when I saw, it, or possibly eighteen when I saw it. So I, w- I really, really enjoyed it. I didn't. I, I had to go back and watch the earlier ones. So I don't have a long life attachment to the character or the franchise. It's so I just viewed them as, as films. All right. If that makes sense.
0: All right, that, cool. That's, that's good, because we do have somebody who does look at the franchise as a whole, our franchise expert in the Child's Play Chucky film series. Charlene, what's your quick takeaway on Child's Play 2? How do you place it in the Chucky canon? Is it the best of times? Is it the worst of times? Is it a perfectly mediocre entry in the franchise?
4: Uh, I think it's a really good entry into the franchise. It's definitely... Um... Uh, if if we're separating it into good middle and bad <laughs> it's in the good section <laughs> um like i i probably it's probably my third favorite But i just think it's it's really solid it has that delightful sequelness that's like it's a bit too big for its boots and it really just like <laughs> it goes absolutely mental but it's supposed picture, to do more that. deaths, that's the whole point. it's more set
3: pieces yeah <laughs>
4: Yeah, uh, and I And I, I. think it's great and it's really entertaining and I'd kind of forgotten, I watched it again last night, like it really just, it's what, like 89 minutes or something? 84. Love. 84, yeah. amazing. That thing
0: just powers <laughs> through, uh, it's shorter than the first film, it's three minutes shorter than the first film.
4: Wow, and I mean, I spent a long time talking about how great it was that the first film was short, and this one is yeah. even shorter. I mean,
0: that's, that's what you not- say. Sequels, sequels are bigger and better. It's like this is even more shorter,
4: it's like more shortness, exactly. exactly. Um, even less going on. Yeah. <laughs> Clearly, the need
2: to make a five-hour cut of you know one of the Child's Play films. It would just annoy everyone.
0: I mean,
4: don't get me wrong; I would watch that. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I mean, again, we will
0: we will talk about this. Was this is a, the rare film in the franchise that does actually have a somewhat like. A different cut. A director's cut. <laughs> there, there is a <laughs> no, longer no. cut of this movie out there, and we will talk about some of the elements of that. Um, uh, we talked about last week how the original film was originally two hours and then cut down to 90 minutes to make it more efficient and bloodless. This was originally, I think, somewhere around 91 minutes and was cut down to 84 minutes to make it more ruthless and bloody, which I do kind of admire. I admire the ruthlessness <laughs> of that. It's like, no, 91 minutes is too indulgent. Um, <laughs> But... Andrew right so let's let's do a temperature check here because this you know you went into Chucky into Child's Play last week you you're a big Chucky fan having never seen a Chucky film <laughs> having never seen a
1: Chucky <laughs> just the idea of Chucky yeah he,
0: he's your guy I think you described him as your guy having <laughs> never seen a Chucky film which I, I admire it's-
1: it sounds like Marin. He's, my, he's one of my guys. I came up with him.
0: Yeah, yeah. Who are you guys? Uh, who are you killer dolls. You got uh, the doll from Magic. Uh, you yeah. got talking Tiffany. Um, but okay, so want to do a temperature check? You have now seen Child's Play and Child's Play Two. Is Chucky still your guy?
1: Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Like he, he's yes. he's kind of like <laughs> cementing um his 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 place. All right. This is this is good. I could understand somebody saying like that it's serviceable or um kind of you know damning it with faint praise, but it does essentially what you want a sequel to do. Yes. And it doesn't like ruin anything. <laughs> 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 it, it's like, yeah, still on board. This is great. Like keep going.
0: <laughs> but like that that is the thing. This is because when I reached out to Jimanda at very short notice to come on here, um, I asked, "Would she like to talk about Child's Play too?" And the response I got was one of the bad ones, I think, or one of the less interesting ones.
2: Is that fair it's, to
0: say?
2: Yeah, and I'd I'd stand by that. I mean, uh, you know, you got the, in the same franchise, you got like Seed of Chucky, you've hmm. got you know the Chucky series, you've got you know even Bride of Chucky was a successful '90s reinvention of it, like. Most of the other franchises did remakes or, or some kind of soft reboot, whatever. like Ch- The Bride of Chucky's, I, I would argue, is the best soft reboot of any uh, horror character has ever received. It just works spectacularly. You know, because Chucky is so ludicrous a concept, turning it into a comedy <laughs> was the best thing to do. Uh- I, I love I love that it's
1: every- like how do you turn a comedy into a comedy though i feel I feel like um it's 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 already leaning it's hard inherently in that funny like i i find that i I feel like there's also kind of like a taste which finds this inherently terrifying um but i i, I for for me it was always like like I'm not drawn. To horror movies, really. That's what I was about to say. Like you don't like horror as a genre. Yeah. Yeah.
0: But Chucky is your guy, which we're apparently (laughs) that's that's the construction we focused on. But Chucky is your guy in the genre. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, absolutely.
0: Um, and that's probably perhaps he is because he is a bit comedic. It is a bit inherently goofy or camp or.
1: Yeah, but he's all like what makes it funny is his um the sense of terror. Yeah. Like it, it. it needs to be like. The the smaller and and more violent, <laughs> like he, he, he is the better. Um, I, think, I think you kind of and kind of this like, like a, a, adorable and
2: gruesome.
0: What, yeah, it's that juxtaposition between something that is meant for children it's, and something that is not meant for exactly. children in any
1: it's way. It's the incongruity form. that yeah. makes it. Yeah.
2: The um the the Cohen brothers had this wonderful thing that they said about the Evil Dead movies because you know Joel Cohen, I think it was it was the, the assistant editor on Evil Dead One. That was his first job. And he said that Sam Raimi is attempting to make an Evil Dead film in every single genre, and the last one is gonna be the Art House film where it's gonna be Bruce Campbell alone in a room screaming for 90 minutes. Which <laughs> would be fantastic. <laughs> but I I really got the feeling that Don Mancini's trying to do something similar with Chucky, because the first one is a basic uh nineteen eighties slasher film. You know, it's got a gimmick, you got like a kill count, it's been a lot of the gore was cut down, you know, stuff like that. It's it's very basic. And then this one, you got the typical slasher sequel. And then the third one, you got the military stuff. Then it goes completely mad, and almost every film has a slight big variation on genre. You've got Bride of Chucky, which is basically its version of Scream. You got Seed of Chucky, where it turns into a John Waters film, starring got, John Waters. Yes. You, then you've got the one which name escapes me, where they go curse. Completely back to basics. It's Curse. Yes, and then curse then cult, of isn't Chucky. It? Yeah which is incredibly done incredibly seriously for an 80 slasher one. It's like completely stripped down. There's a, it's a lot less funny than the first two. And then you've got C, you got cult, 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 which is insane. Yes. (laughs) That's what the, the, I love the, the endless variety of the, of what they, of what they do. Um, all right, well, just in
0: terms of a very brief uh, bit of production. Chucky
1: versus what they now call the, the Universal Monsters.
0: Well, like that. Okay, well, this is the moment where Chucky becomes a Universal Monster. Yeah. Um, this is the point. It's the
1: 75th anniversary. Yes. You
0: obviously watched yes. the same digital copy <laughs> that yes, I did. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yes, this is the point at which they Chucky. They
1: needed something big. It's like, <laughs> come on, guys, let's get thinking.
0: Yeah, get these ideas together. <laughs> yeah, what if it's we. It's the
1: 75th anniversary. Yeah. What if we
0: bought Chucky from MGM and Universal Artists and like made a sequel to that movie from 1988 that performed reasonably well, (laughs) worse than the Freddy Krueger movie, better than the Michael Myers movie. It's like, that's why you guys get paid the big bucks. Um, But the, yeah, so basically this, this obviously, as soon as the original hits and it becomes a hit, I think it's somewhere in like the, it's the second highest grossing horror of the year. It's somewhere in the top 35 movies at the box office that year, which is a very good performance for a movie that cost relatively little and is a slasher movie. It gets strong reviews. Uh, We mentioned this last week, like even Roger Ebert who hates slasher movies is like, that's pretty good. That may be why the Chicago Sun-Times gets so much product placement in this movie where like (laughs) (laughs) at various times you see the headline banner of the Chicago Sun-Times at the climax, the van delivering Chicago Sun-Times becomes a major (laughs) plot point. There's some suggestion that that is an allusion to Roger Ebert being like, okay, Chucky, you get, and it's great because his review of Child's Play 2 is like, this is, this is obscene and monstrous, but compelling. <laughs> um, it's very much like this is horrendous and monstrous, but also very well made. There's something in this movie that appeals to me, and I can't quite figure out what it is. Um, but. So basically, immediately after the first one's released, and it does really well, a sequel is greenlit. And of course, there are a number of concepts that are thrown out. At one stage, they consider having a movie set in a psychiatric institution, which is one of those things that's like, the Chucky franchise will get to that eventually, but don't rush us. (laughs) Um, And they
1: kind of already have.
0: Yes, there was a bit of the first one that took place in a psychiatric institution. The idea was the second one would be much more gothic, and would be much more kind of focused there. And... Yeah, we're not going to talk about the later Chucky movies, so Andrew, you don't need to worry about that at all. Forget about it. Forget I even mentioned it. Um, but you, they basically, they bring back Mancini as writer, uh, and you have John Laffia, who worked on the screenplay for the original film, who came up with various pitches. I think it was Laffia who came up with the idea of Charles Lee Ray, and the idea of there being a serial killer who will be in the doll, rather than the doll being like Andy's id. I think that was Mancini's original pitch. And basically, as the kind of story develops, uh, universe, basically MGM and Universal Artists are bought out, uh, by somebody else who decides that they don't want to be in the business of horror movies. Uh this is probably helped by the fact that there is a minor outrage over child's play because it's a movie that is ostensibly looks like it should be kid friendly but is not. So you get a lot of concerned parent groups doing hand wringing and like staging protests. So basically MGM Universal say, it just no. for that.
1: What? where's it just for that you can't buy that sort of no, publicity you can't. yeah well I mean that's
0: like um I think that uh, David Kirshner who is the producer on this was like that was the best thing that ever happened to us because it really drove our negotiating stock it meant that like universe it meant that MGM were like the look, we don't want you here
1: stuck-up mums don't want you to see <laughs> um,
0: but it but it was like no we could go around Hollywood and we could hold these meetings and say look you want the sequel to this movie that made a ton of money don't you well, then buy it. Bid for it, baby. Um, but apparently what happened is that Spielberg, Spielberg, who had worked with Kirshner on American Tail, rang up uh, Kirshner and said, look, will you do me a favor? And this is not the way that this has been reported traditionally. The way that this has traditionally been reported is that like Spielberg saved Chucky. That is not what happened. <laughs> Chucky did not need saving. Um, but Spielberg ran up, rang up Kirshner and was like, look, I've worked with Universal since I started working in the industry. They were the company that gave me my big break. I've done a lot of work with them. They're very important to me. Would you do me a favor and come and, to Universal? And make
1: the Flintstones movie?
0: That's it. Uh, I, I, and, and cast Chucky in the Flintstones movie. I think I've seen, i watched the first child's play and I've seen my, I've discovered my Fred Flintstone.
1: Um, Why is I, Spielberg asking people to do stuff all the time? Like, like, hey, I have no involvement to, in this put, movie, but I want you. I, I feel you, like we need to explain that really reference for
0: Charlene and Chucky. for Giamonta.
1: Sorry, yes, yeah, um, yeah. But like,
0: yeah, Spielberg, once every seven years, like a groundhog, Spielberg emerges from underground, points at a character <laughs> actor and says, you will be my Fred Flintstone. And a Flintstones movie happens around that actor, despite the fact that they don't want it to. And that, the
1: fact that Steven Spielberg has no real like, attachment to the project. No, no, he, his <laughs> he's name just isn't like, even on the you, yeah. you Dark are the Aggie. Fred Flintstone. <laughs> yes.
2: Spielberg's just in that really blessed position that no matter what bollocks he thinks of, he can make it happen. Mm-hmm. Like... Uh, well, usually you make it happen. Pretty like, much, like the original Jurassic Park Four uh, idea, which was ended in pre-production before it became Jack Jurassic World, where it's human dinosaur hybrid mercenaries. It's like fucking Dino Riders. It's like I wish that was made <laughs> Velociraptors with machine guns um, and like lasers. is if they have lasers
0: on their heads? Is the thing which I think they do. They kind of bring back for Fallen Kingdom, um, but like the idea wow. was they were Velociraptors with freaking lasers. Unironically
1: it was also that <laughs> the, it, 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 they they couldn't i they also wanted to make a, a sequel to universal soldier be dinosaurs and and were they really? just like arguing over? No, no. Okay, no, okay, okay, okay. okay. Sorry. Imagine if they both had the same <laughs> idea <should> <laughs> and had came from like different um, starting points. <laughs> like I'm too gullible to be co-hosting a podcast <laughs> with you, Andrew. <laughs> it's like I didn't find that in my research. Yeah, that did, that, well, that it's didn't true, Darren. It. Okay, let's yeah. move on. Yeah.
0: <laughs> um, all right. So the, anyway, the the movie presses ahead. It's pushed into production. It all goes relatively smoothly as well. Um, there are no big creative disagreements on this. Uh, as we mentioned, the movie is cut down. You have the casting of actors like, say, um, Jenny Agutter is cast in the one of the lead roles. She gets second building in this movie, um, behind Alex, Vis- Alex Vincent. And she uh, she's talked about how the movie that was made was not the script that she was sold. And she's talked about how she kind of sees this movie as something of an old shame. She feels like it never lived up to what it promised to be. Uh, And she feels very, very disappointed by it. She has, on the other hand, also talked about working with Vincent on the movie and being quite impressed that this eight-year-old kid was, like, sitting in the Universal Commissary, like, negotiating percentage points with his agent, while also asking if she wanted to see a magic (laughs) trick with the tablecloth. Said it was quite (laughs) remarkable. It was something to... Like, it was like, I need to be planning my next three features. But also, can you see that I can make this penny disappear? Uh, (laughs) It's like... The most forty year old man inside an eighty inside an eight year old body is how she described working with him, which is very interesting.
2: Wow. That's ironically, that's what they wanted in the plot too. Y- you know, and uh Charles Louis trying to possess him. Reality subtext.
0: And I think he works I think he works quite well here. I think Vincent works is better in this one than he was in the first one.
1: He's improved. He's improved. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think so. Like he was pretty yeah. good in the first one. And people yeah. are kind of split as to whether that What's that like uh, Killer Lion he gives that I didn't think was great, but a lot of people are, are, are is This like, is the end this friend This is the end friend. Oh yeah.
4: <laughs> Whereas, uh, he sells it. It's cheesy, but he sells it.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I was kind of like uh
2: eh,
1: on, on that one. But yeah, I know I've heard I've heard I I, I, I think You're
0: lucky is. you're cute, <laughs> <says>. <laughs> yeah. yeah.
2: Do you know many details about the original script that Jenny Agatha was uh, sold on? Because I'm I'm, curi- I, yeah, I'm curious. Yeah, I'm
4: curious about that too. I, what, like what did she think she was signing up for?
2: I think there are some elements
0: of it in the the extended cut, which adds a whole whopping seven minutes to the movie. Um but there is a sense that like the movie was originally supposed to say open with an extended sequence that would deal with the fallout from the first movie, that would deal with the character um <laughs> from the last movie, like Detective Nolan, for example, and Andy's mother going through the court case and kind of that providing exposition. And there was more stuff for the Simpsons family as well. Like, there was more, there was a sense that, like, Joanne Simpson was the co protagonist of the movie, um, as opposed to what happens in the movie, which we won't talk about until we get the other side of the spoiler zone. But I think it's safe to say that she is not the co protagonist of the
1: movie. Yeah. at At the start of the movie, um, they 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 find him in an escape pod <laughs> with, with a dead like um, detective Norris <laughs> and butter um, and, um, and
0: there's some sort of like doll shaped hole in their, yeah, you know, in exactly. their abdomen. <laughs> Thank you, David Fincher, for that note.
2: Uh, <laughs> I did notice while watching it that Ginny agatha she. She, her kind of performance is not on the same area as everyone else's, because everyone else is doing a, sl- a lightly cartoony, you know, typical slasher movie kind of performance. She's going for more of an Oscar, like proper drama performance. And it's a little bit weird, especially when her husband is, is going for an even cartoonier performance than anyone else.
1: Yeah. And the casting as well with that, like with the 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 husband, the guy who Say plays Jarek Graham, uh, who's
0: like a Brian De Palma regular, to give you a sense of the space in which he's yeah. operating. Yeah, <laughs> going back to like Phantom of the uh, Sorry, uh, was it the Paradise 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 Paradise? Sorry, yeah,
1: where he, he is more kind of like the 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 kind of characters he tends to play are. are uh, Tend to be, or, or at least like we would know him from more comedic stuff, like I suppose Star, Star Trek, Trek and yeah. yeah, yeah, two appearances on Star <laughs> Trek, <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> which rats them up to the Hall of Fame. But yeah, so basically, I, like, to not to get into too much depth of it, but I, I think, I got her looked at the script and kind of saw it as this story about this foster family. And this foster family that adopts a child who has been through something traumatic and the mm. character arc that she has as a, result of, as a result of that. So like, yeah, and again, in the seven minutes that were restored for the television broadcast version, which I watched for this because of course I did because I'm <laughs> an sadist of some mm. description. In those seven minutes, there is a lot of time given over uh, to Joanne and Phil and their discussions as a married couple and their relationship to one another and their relationship to the foster care system. And you get to know, like even in those seven minutes, which it seems almost spiteful to have cut them, Um, But it's like in those seven minutes, you get a lot more of like Joanne about how, you know, obviously she's not able to have children. She wants to have children, but she's like given up a career. She used to be a working woman and she gave that up to become a stay at home mother to prove that she was capable of having a child that could be given to her by child services. And you have this sense that like she's she's maybe had a couple of breakdowns and Phil is very delicately managing her as a result Mm -hmm. of that. And there is this kind of sense of her having an arc even in those seven minutes that is like mercilessly cut out of the finished product, um, perhaps for the better. Cause I do think that like, this isn't that movie. Probably, yeah. It but it did
4: not fit. Totally. This is not about you, Joanne. This is about Chucky. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> Easy, Jenny. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, go play the anonymous doctor in Darkman the same year speaking of the sam raimi connection there
3: uh,
1: yeah that it would have uh, yeah that it doesn't really fit with i think if if you're saying kill your darlings it's like no but can i kill this kind of little bit of a bummer kind of um, this very serious uh, character subplash. drama what jimanda described as kind it, of oscar it characters. made me think of last uh, the um earlier today <laughs> we were talking about chatty catty what was there ever a Debbie Downer <laughs> what? doll? I wonder. Was there ever a what? A Debbie Downer.
0: <laughs> Why well, is that Joanne? <laughs> <Maybe>. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but like- no, sorry. I'm being very harsh. Yeah. And I, I did really feel for her. Yeah,
2: I I am interested in seeing this extended cut now. I mean, I'm getting sort of visions of mm. you know the Joel Schumacher extended cut of Batman Forever with all the deep psychological sections. to it. I want to see, I want to see this version of of Child's Play too, but
0: which also retains all the absurd cartoonishness, production design, yeah. cinematography, costuming, <laughs> and everything else that's in the finished
2: product. Um, yeah, I mean, <laughs> hen, hence the Joel Schumacher Batman Forever
3: comparison. <laughs> yeah.
2: Yeah. Um, <laughs> this is the thing that's interesting about like,
0: Child's Play 2, is that like, there's this consensus among Chucky fans that it is the best in the franchise. Whenever Don Mancini is asked about what, what the best film in the franchise is, he's always like, the consensus with fans, not with me, with fans, is, is Child's Play 2. For, so, for example, when John Lafayette passed away in 2020, um, Mancini's statement... Marking the passing of John Lafia was he directed the consensus best Chucky film, Child's Play 2. Uh, When he was talking about, like, the Chucky TV show, which we're not going to talk about on this podcast ever, Mancini was like, I want the doll to look exactly like the doll from Child's Play 2. When they use Chucky's theme in later movies and in the Chucky TV show, it's not the theme from the original Child's Play, it's the theme from Child's Play 2. And, like... Mm. Even in terms of, like, motifs, right? I was watching this, having watched the entire Chucky franchise last year, um, and was like, this is the first movie where there are extended scenes of, like, Chucky the doll talking to people in cars. And it's like, that somehow becomes, like, the biggest recurring motif of the larger Chucky (laughs) franchise. Like, if you were to distill, like, the statistical mean of the Chucky franchise down, Chucky is in a vehicle talking to a living person or another doll... And it's like the first time that happens is in this movie, and it happens repeatedly. It does kind of feel like this is ground zero for what the Child Play franchise becomes. This is the sequel that really codifies. Like, the rest what of Chucky's- them
1: are just road movies, right?
0: <laughs> yes, one, one of them is literally just. Some of them are literally just road movies.
1: Oh wow! <laughs> <Yeah>. um, like
0: <laughs> that sequence where he's holding guns to people's heads and they're driving cars, and he's a puppet. Which I, I was like, Andrew's loving this. Andrew is just like, this is just Andrew is in heaven. Chucky is just, like, sassing people in while they're driving cars. <laughs> it's like, this feels like what Andrew wants from this movie franchise. Um, but yeah, that, that's it's just kind of interesting that, like, this is, among many Chucky fans, the best in the franchise, despite getting, you know, negative reviews when it premiered, um, despite maybe being kind of forgotten. When it was released, it underperformed at the box office. It had a very good opening weekend, uh, it had the good fortune to open opposite like Dances with Wolves when Dances with Wolves was only screening in 7 cinemas which good meant
1: counter programming. Yeah, which
0: meant okay. that Child's Play crushed it when it was like in 3000 cinemas. The unfortunate thing was like the following week Dances with Wolves expanded to like 2000 cinemas and then like oh, the gosh. tables returned slightly. It also had the misfortune of being released the week before uh, Home Alone. Um Yeah, Ooh. but if you put
2: if if Chucky took on Kevin Costner in a fight, we
0: know who'd win.
4: Definitely.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I mean, to be, I do kind of like you say that Mancini's working through genres. I now want a Chucky Western with Kevin Costner. Like that's now oh. what I want. I want like <laughs> Kevin Costner's, like he, the, the money he got from yellow from Yellowstone that he like took the money, ran, quit, and decided to make his own vanity Western. I want that now to be a Chucky Western. That's yes. all that I want from the universe. Oh. Yes, please. <laughs> All right, so before we jump into the sports zone, three questions to get us started. Um, I'm thinking
1: about one of those YouTube shorts. <laughs> like <laughs> Evan Costner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I made the mistake
0: of Andrew has been watching <laughs> YouTube shorts and like talking to me he about how the,
1: it to me, the that music that's stuck all in kind his of head. Formulaic. Yeah,
0: yeah the, the music that they play in the background of these vertical video YouTube shorts got stuck <laughs> in his head. And I made the mistake of giving him my <laughs> iPhone so he could show me one of them. And now the YouTube algorithm just shows me these videos <laughs> like
1: t- tough guy stuff from like The Punisher, from Boardwalk Empire, and Boardwalk Empire. bizarrely. Like, yeah, it's Boardwalk <laughs>
0: Empire that really gets me. It's like Steve Buscemi is a badass, and you got like in the background you got the voice going, "Yeah, uh, It
1: my recommendations
2: are just they're just that now." Uh, yeah yeah <laughs> if you want to spend 10 hours on that i i heartily suggest you watch the tv show happy with an exclamation mark at the end Ooh, that's the christopher melini one um from grant yeah. Morrison, right
0: am i correct yeah, yeah uh,
2: it's him uh with the power of mental illness being killing the crap out of criminals what more wow. did you ask for yeah um all right so before we jump into the sports zone three that's quests... like the
1: one with Patton oswald yes it? that's the unicorn yes yep. yeah. okay
0: um Okay, so, finally, before we come to this 4 want three questions to get us started. So, Charlene, is Child's Play 2 one of the 250 greatest films ever made?
4: Uh, no. <laughs> I don't think so. I don't think so.
0: All right, you said this is third in the franchise for you, yes? Probably. Okay, right, well, we're, don't mention any future I movies because we're not we're not going to talk about them I mean, ever. We, they're, but they're irrelevant they, they're, they're so, relevant, yeah. <laughs> but like is this better or worse than the first one
4: sort of different really because like this is so like i don't mean this as a throw in shade but it's so functional like it just gives <laughs> you just a load of kills and they're all really good so like in some ways i think um it does what you want from chucky better and
0: quickly as well, like there, somebody dies be- yeah. almost before the opening credits are over. It's even though it makes a, no sense, yeah.
1: A Kill delivery mechanism yeah. and yeah. like the I, I, adding kind of <laughs> you know more context and heart to it would have kind of
4: like made ruined it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sorry, Jenny. We're, we're dragging Jenny like a less gutter on this podcast. Let's more killing, yeah. please. <laughs> Let's <laughs> yappy more stabby. Um,
2: sorry, sorry, Jim. <laughs> it's like it's like a bit. The way you describe it, like it's like one of the mid-Friday uh, the 13th movies where you got characters who literally turn up half-two lines just to get killed by Jason. Yeah. you know It's not quite yeah. as efficient as that, but it's getting there. Yeah.
0: Uh, and what about yourself? Do you think that this is one of the 250 best movies ever made? And where would
2: you rank it in the Child's Play
0: franchise?
2: It's not even one of the best 250 films in my room. Uh, and I, I'd put it as a medium child's play. I mean, it's on the same level as uh, Curse or, um, yeah, Curse or something like that. It's it's not an A-list child's play in my view. But then again, it seems I'm going against the grain. Oh, well. That's okay. It's okay. Mix it up. Yeah, that's it. Keep, keep, keep it spicy. The
1: diversity of opinion.
0: Yeah, well, that, that's it. Like it. It gets a discussion going, but Andrew, what about yourself? Do you think this is one of the 250 greatest movies ever made, and of all the Child's Play films that you have seen, how would you rank this?
1: um i i probably rank this um, no it's difficult to say i i i feel like it's maybe more fun than 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 the first one like sorry undeniably more fun than the second one but but i i give the first one a lot of uh, uh, credit for kind of like being the the progenitor i guess of the being the kind of origin yeah yeah
0: Um, yeah and and for myself i mean I do not think this is one of the 250 best movies ever made. Um hot take, controversial take. <laughs> this is maybe my second favourite of the Chucky films. Um, Ooh. Oh, oh, you 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 have no idea. Like wait you won't know what I'll tell after after this is over, I'll let you know what my first one was, because I'm not telling Andrew. I want <laughs> Andrew to guess. What Andrew is currently thinking is there a Chucky movie about the making of a Chucky movie? And it's like, is that Darren's favorite? Whichever I feel like
1: I is. know the answer. Well, okay, what I, is the I, answer? I feel like I saw some tweets. A good point. Okay. But, I, but I'm, I'm not sure if I, if I know the answer. I think it's either. And I, I haven't seen either of these movies. So it's just the fact that they sound a little bit similar. I'm going to, first guess is going to be Cult of Chucky. Second is Curse of Chucky. It's neither of those.
0: We'll get round to it. We'll talk about it. I'm not okay. going to tell you. I'm not going to tell you. That would. <laughs> oh, okay. His
2: favourite is clearly the remake, or possibly yes. its remake, Megan. <laughs> the 2019
4: <laughs> the remake of yeah. the remake. The remake of the remake.
2: <laughs> um, but yes, okay. And but I
0: I actually really really love this, and rewatching it is is great fun. I kind of like just we're talking about it in terms of how functional it is, and it absolutely is functional. It is a kill delivery mechanism. I think is how Andrew described it, and that is entirely <laughs> accurate. But I do think it's also like a really well-made film for what it is, which sounds like I'm damning with faint praise, but it's not. Like, this is, I think last week we mentioned my favorite of the 80s slashers is Freddy Krueger. My favorite of the 80s slasher series is Nightmare on Elm Street. Prof comedy, bad puns very obvious reasons why Darren loves those movies. And this is the one that feels closest to being like a Nightmare on Elm Street movie, right down to like, there's the school setting, there's all the Dutch angles, there's the strong use of colour. Like the cinematographer here, uh, who I think deserves a great deal of credit, is Stefan Kapaski, who would go on to work with Burton, uh, Tim Burton on like uh, Edward Scissorhands the same year, Batman Returns, which is one of my favourite movies ever, and like uh, Edward, uh, Ed Wood, for example, as well. Um, and I think that, like, it looks gorgeous. It's got really good use of color in it as well. Nice use of shadow and, like, the contrast between shadow and, like, strong blues and strong yellows. The set design is fantastic. The production design on this is amazing. You can tell that Universal were like, here, have some bunny and do some stuff with it. Yeah, This is shot entirely on the Universal backlot. Um, there are no, no real locations used except for like establishing shots or exterior shots. So you have like, you know, sets that are absurd and ridiculous and look like they're ripped from like modern times, the Charlie Chaplin movie. But even like the house, the house that Andy goes to live in has a basement which looks like something from the cabinet of Dr. Calgary, <laughs> like where the steps down to the basement make no sense whatsoever. Uh, because and I think like to the credit of John Lafia, who is the director here. Uh, and I think he deserves some credit for this. Like the decision to shoot this movie from Andy's perspective, there's a lot of low angle shots. There's a lot of shots from a low eye line. And they're meant to put you in Andy's perspective, which means that like the sets are all build built to proportion. The ceilings are all really high. The spatial awareness in the house makes absolutely no sense. When you go up to the top of the stairs, you turn, like, left to where the garden should be, and you continue down the hall towards, like, three doors to a gigantic room. It has this weird quality to it that I absolutely love, and that's before you get to, like, the weird finale on the factory floor. Like, this is a movie that I think doesn't get enough credit for being, like, heightened and surreal and weird and kind of stylized underneath that kind of, like, efficient slasher facade. So... I like this movie a lot. It is my second favorite uh of the set. I think it's the most one of the most inventive movies in the series. I think it's one of the most fun movies in the series. And I just like the way it looks. And I like the way it sounds as well. You've got like Clive Revel score, uh, who's doing a bit Danny Alphan. Sorry, Jamanda.
2: Oh, I was uh I- I'd been planning to mention uh the fact that I I had not noticed the stuff in the house, none of that I noticed um but you know the and I was gonna complain that you suddenly had what felt like a completely normal and you know natural you know realistic setting and then suddenly turns into a cartoon at the end, like something like a set from toys, but the fact that I missed all that means that I should shut up now and you know just take the l. <laughs>
0: Well, no, no, no. Well, I mean, I, I will, I will put my hands up, and I say, I think like the second act of the movie does suffer because, and again, I hate that we're like ragging on Jenny Agutter, who's an actor who I like and whose complaints I understand, but I think that like in the second act of the, oh, movie... oh yeah, she like, could definitely
1: feel aggrieved, like if that's what she was kind yeah. of hoping for, if from that's what her. she signed up for, and it does feel like she is in that movie.
0: Yeah, she's aiming for that. That's yeah, what she, that's what she's either been told to do or what she's chosen to do. But I mean, like,
3: you
1: know, it's like people will never expect. This kind of... Um, depth and complexity. Yeah, kind of yeah, this pathos yes. from, from, from you as a character. Like, you're, you're, you're what's going to really make this special. Like, this, this is in no way going to be, like, a throwaway sequel for some people. <laughs> <laughs>
0: um, uh, like, we want, like, you know, in the future, Tony Collette is going to be making a movie called Hereditary, and we want her to look to you. Exactly, and we want her to look yeah. to you as, like, a, a linchpin of that. Maybe
4: movie. that's what she thought she was making. Yeah. Um, what, <laughs> But like, yeah, I, I
0: I will admit I am probably overstating the case there. So I, I wouldn't like I, I wouldn't disagree entirely with what Jamanda is saying. I do think like Phil and Joanne are issues with this movie. I think that it suffers in that middle section where it feels a little bit generic. But I do, I just like the nature and like even little things like the the, the emphasis on fairy tales and the sense that like you have at the start the therapist or the social worker played by, is it Grace Zabreski from like Twin Peaks? Yes. <laughs> who has one of those great faces. That I think like, I think as Jimonda and I think like Charlene pointed out, everybody in this movie except Virginia Gutter feels like they belong in a cartoon. And Grace Sabresky like has this face with these angles on it that do do feel very much kind of arch and heightened and very much like angular and feel kind of like they fit with that Tim Burton-esque aesthetic.
1: You also, you also have Miss Kettlewell. Yeah. Oh played by, by Beth Grant. Yeah, yeah. Who, t- 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 um who, who 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 was committed to sparkle motion. <laughs>
2: I was wanting to go on, but I wanted to confirm something before I mentioned it in case I was wrong. So the, I think you picked up me uh, uh, typing something. But I can oh, go okay. now because I've just discovered I was right. Okay. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, but the cartooniness, like the the dad in particular, Garrett Graham, um, literally, the, he's he's one of those guys who's in a bunch of different stuff. He's a, hey, my, uh, my spouse calls them, it's a, hey, it's that guy actor. And... <laughs> The only time I've seen him in anything where he's more cartoonish than this was in Terror Vision. The 1986, I don't know if it was meant to be funny, but it was like some Italians trying to spoof Americana and there's like an, a TV alien comes down and just, and you start eating people. It is amazing, but that film is all cartoon all the time and he's only a little bit more ridiculous in that than he was in this. Um and yeah, okay. So that I I do not think
0: that this is one of the two hundred and fifty best films of all time. It is my second favorite Chucky film. Um, Charlene, is this on your own personal two hundred and fifty? Your own two hundred and fifty favorite?
4: That's very likely, yes. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yes. Are all of the Chucky's on there, bar one, or is that going to be a surprise that we're never going to get to?
4: No, there's four Chucky movies in my personal. 250. Oh,
0: 250 and this is this is one of them okay cool this i like that i like that the listeners have a bingo <laughs> card out um Jimondo, what about yourself i gathered from your observation earlier it's not even that one of the top 250 in your room that this is probably not one of your top <laughs> 250 movies of all time but is it
2: no no it's not i uh am a little bit baffled by it being quite so popular with other fans of the genre but and the franchise but you know each to their own um <laughs> And Andrew, what about yourself? Having literally just watched it,
1: no, it it's it, it is it is fun, but it 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 doesn't kind of I guess have um the kind of weight or importance I guess that it would need to to to, to make. like, like I, I I do love it. Um,
0: and it did make you laugh. Did it make you cry?
1: <laughs> it didn't make me cry. That Damn was the it! Thing. Gen- yeah, they should yeah. yeah. With those after. seven minutes, if they had added yeah. it, yeah i mean it is it is, it is it is touching in those parts but the i, I think i think the phil simpson character kind of just it, it, yeah it, that it doesn't feel like it's a it's an actual kind of you melodrama don't. yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: um and yeah for myself no um no i don't know if any of the chucky or child's play films are in my 250 controversially Um. So this one, this one does not get in
4: there. (laughs) Just, just me and my four. (laughs) (laughs) Hey,
0: look! You don't want to know how many Batman movies there are in there. (laughs) Okay, we're just being (laughs)
1: filthy hipsters.
0: Yeah, I'm being a snob. Is what I'm being exactly.
1: it's like, yeah, Ed identifying is one of those people who don't have a Chucky movie in your... Yeah, you know,
0: I'm, uh, I'm Virtue's kind of like That's why I'm, I'm sending that out into the universe. That's what I'm doing. You
1: know what I think? I don't think any of the Chucky movies are in the top 250. No, or in
0: my 250, <laughs> to be fair. But to get away Excuse from... Excuse me, my
2: 250 <laughs> top films is entirely made up of, of, you know, demonic toys, and it's
3: ilk. Ooh, okay. Well, well, well,
2: okay, well... well. Okay, well. <laughs>
0: How, and now I want to know, what is your favorite killer doll movie, or evil doll movie? What is your favorite evil toy movie then, Jimanda?
2: Um, I don't know, because generally the Child's Play films are the high watermark of that genre, because there's, there's a lot of crap in that, and you know, um, Empire Pictures <laughs> are responsible for a lot of that. Is this Puppet um, Master? Yeah, the Puppet Master films, you've got demonic toys, you've got even Doll Man, you like at a certain point, I think it was Charles Band just decided he needed to make movies but little things killing people. And, you know, fair play to him. <laughs> Andrew is just
0: nodding here like he's like he's a good business model it's a good business model it makes
4: sense (laughs) (laughs) so Pixar came along and ruined it all by making the toys like nice (laughs) yeah oh Pixar
2: made child's play film
1: I feel like yeah time is ripe now as we've seen from like please um, put
4: Chucky in that nursery and more
1: more Chucky I guess you create Pinocchio and leave that there for a while and then say like we're going to um Great, right, lots of um, oh, he movies. He had that Pinocchio that. movies last year. Yeah. He had
0: like three Pinocchio movies in the last two years.
2: <laughs> yes, like I feel like the market <laughs> for
0: Pinocchio movies is saturated.
2: It's a. They could do an inverse of the of the Buzz Lightyear plot from the first one, and you get a good guy doll is bought by the kid, and then the the kid who ends up watching the child's play, and the good guy doll becomes convinced that he's Chucky, oh, and he goes evil. That's so good that's so good yeah
1: um so Shirley yeah. are you you, you you could show the 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 it was act, actually andy was watching a movie that morning on on, on his um was it, which it was which by the birthday. way are we talking
0: about andy from
1: child's play or
0: andy, andy from, from, from child's play, play. okay They're the same was, kid <laughs> are they the same kid
1: <laughs> Andy from Charles Play was oh yeah they are the same kid and Andy um, was watching um, the good guys movie on television in the morning of, of, of his birthday this is that movie
0: <laughs> Amazing. Well done, Andrew. Uh, You have not seen Lightyear, but I love that you know that. (laughs) Um, um, So, if listeners have not seen Child's Play 2 and it is available to stream on various sources, it's owned by Universal, so it's much easier to access the original Child's Play, would you recommend that they pause the podcast and stream it to a local device?
4: I mean, it's 80 what minutes long. You might as well. Just, just, yeah, just do. Why not?
0: (laughs) And
2: Giamondo, yourself, same question. Um... I would say watch it. Well, watch all the child's play films because you know it's a it's a very good slasher franchise on average. But you know, wait till the podcast's over. It's it's not quite so important as you need to pause the podcast to watch it.
0: Yeah, we had that discussion last. That was I think what Bren said last week. It's like I feel like you can listen to the podcast and then watch at your leisure. Huh?
4: This is not a spoilery type movie no. like Chucky kills everyone and
0: that's
1: it. I I I do like like. My recommendation for myself after after earlier today, <laughs> when, when we watched and recorded a podcast um, about about the first child play, was not to... Uh, it's a good thing that I didn't have the time to both watch this movie and listen to um, and With Gurley and Rust. Because I feel like I, I don't want to be the person who has vicariously done research. Yeah. <laughs> i i I want darren to be that guy i want to be the person who knows nothing yeah (laughs)
0: um but yeah so would you recommend andrew that listeners i would
1: yeah yeah maybe maybe the the the, uh, maybe watch the other child's play movie if you haven't already yeah if you want to watch the the first child's play which was called child's play (laughs) (laughs) and, uh, and listen to our podcast about it maybe yeah and then watch this yeah and then listen to this podcast or listen to this podcast and yeah and do those other three things
2: yeah <laughs> I I want to say that because I'm going to say this now because there's no you're not I will not be here when you're talking about uh you know Cult of Chucky later on assuming you do at some point and I just want to say we were robbed by not getting a film right after Cult of Chucky that celebrated the fact that Charles Lee Ray was now possessing the woman playing played by Brad George's daughter and they didn't call it Cunt of Chucky
3: oh I feel like Universal,
0: who were like fairly permissive of everything that Don Mancini wanted to do with the franchise, I feel like when Mancini walks into that meeting room and unveils the title, <laughs>
3: it's yeah, like, it they-
1: like wow okay
3: yeah, yeah. Uh, they, they, they just kind
1: of like put everything back in their briefcases and leave the room yeah <laughs> <laughs>
0: it's, it's like
1: going, okay, come on
0: so we've commissioned, come on. we've commissioned five sequels to the mark hamill chucky uh movie reboot um that's what we've decided <laughs> we're doing with this franchise
4: now
1: um, hear me out <laughs> they can't
4: <laughs> like,
1: okay see you yeah. um, I'm, I'm chucky i'm yeah. chucky <laughs> I,
0: it was a big mistake to go one word at a time yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, all right and for myself yes i would recommend watching Chucky play too but we're not going to top that so we're going to segue neatly into the spoiler zone
1: Are they do a spoiler zone?
0: <laughs> Andrew, you got a little something there. Oh shit! <laughs> um, no, it's happening. <laughs> <laughs> it's too late. It's now stuck in this podcast forever. Um, Diamanda, what is Child's Play two about for you? Um, about
2: a uh, serial killer. Who uh, rather problematically uh, uh, appropriated Vodan culture and used Voodoo for nefarious ends, and is trying to do indescribable things to uh, this 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 kid who's very troubled. On top of all that, and plus stabbing, lots of stabbing. I mean, like it it is worth noting we talked about last week
0: the Voodoo stuff kind of came from. Um came from Tom Holland, who directed the first movie, who is not involved in the second movie. And the movie is very pointedly happy that Tom is not involved in this. In that, like, you'll notice that the good guy doll that Chucky replaces and smashes the face in, his name is Tommy, or rather pointedly. <laughs> uh, you'll notice on the commentary, John Laffia notes that, like, the, the first word that Chucky says when he's impersonating Tommy badly is Heidi Ho, uh, which is apparently, like, Tom Holland's one contribution the vocabulary of the chucky doll doll and obviously there's the moment where like chucky buries tommy and he's like eat dirt tommy um at which point don <laughs> mancini makes a wow. point on the commentary to say that it was intended as an homage they tend as
3: an homage, uh, to, an to, homage to Tom Holland, hating Tom Holland. This, yeah this,
1: this right here this is really classy what we're doing it's, <laughs> just so it's called an homage yeah, just so we're I
3: quick.
2: didn't think Spider-Man was old enough to be hated by Don
3: Mancini
0: <laughs> <laughs> um, but like and again again, it's notable when you watch the movie how much of this feels like it's recycled from like things that they wanted to do in the first movie and Tom Holland was like no you're not doing that so for example the idea of like the electric shock is kind of lifted directly from uh, Lafayette's original plan to have have like Chucky transferred or Charles Lee Ray transferred by electrical current into Chucky? The bit where like the Chucky doll is pulled over by the police officer and Kyle is like, you know, they're like, what's happening there with his nose? And Kyle's like, well, you've heard about dolls that pee. This is a doll that bleeds, uh, which was famously an idea that was Don Mancini's original idea. For the, for the
1: Blood Brothers Blood, thing. blood,
0: buddy, yeah. Yeah, blood buddy, yeah. Blood Buddy. Blood which Buddy. Was, which was rejected. And he's like, no, 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 no.
1: I feel like Mothers would have been even more <laughs> <laughs> like concerned and outraged <laughs> about this movie. Is like, it's taking blood magic and teaching it <laughs> to our children.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, Satanic Panic would have been like around that time as well. I mean, and again, like, the of mentioned like the voodoo appropriation. Which is something that Mancini's talked about, like, being saddled with by Tom Holland. And, like, the franchise keeps coming back to how absurd it is. We mentioned, like, we're not going to talk about, like, Bride of Chucky, but, like, there's the Voodoo for Dummies manual that pops up in, like, uh, Bride of Chucky as another kind of direct screw you <laughs> to the idea of all That's the voodos. classic. <laughs> it really is. Um, but, like, here you have the idea that, like, it's too far gone. Chucky can't transfer his soul Into Andy, which feels like the series kind of trying to draw a line under it and saying, no more voodoo stuff. (laughs) Like that, that feels like what the series is trying to do. Now, whether or not they actually commit to it, you you have to like watch later Chucky movies.
3: Sorry, Andy.
1: Yeah, it also feels like he doesn't get proper comeuppance. It's like, ah, I've been cursed for messing with this voodoo stuff. (laughs) I'm stuck in this doll's body instead of being dead.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I have to live forever and
1: kill people.
0: Yeah. in this perfect body that will never <laughs> age. And could be like again, philosophical question for you. The bit at the start. and again, this idea that you have of like Chucky movies being movies about like mass production and about capitalism and all this sort of stuff that we mentioned last <laughs> week. But the idea that this movie, you know, literally climaxes on an assembly line where they're factory assembling Chucky dolls and stuff like that. Or sorry, you know, they're they're good guy dolls. But like the idea that you have at the start of this which, starts
1: in a kind of like a focus group So we, we want you to have a look at this doll Tell us what you think <laughs>
4: you know, um, um, Does it look evil? Is it still cursed?
0: Yeah I love that the movie opens With like what feels like a metaphor For making a sequel to Child's Play Which is like we found this cursed doll In the trash What are we going to do? <laughs> we're going to try and put it back together uh, We're just going to like buy a bunch yeah. of pieces That like That'll look like the how old How
1: wrong people were <laughs> They've misjudged <laughs> um,
0: and and obviously I think I think we joke on the podcast that every time I ask this question, the answer is yes. <laughs> but you know, at the risk of, am I giving this movie too much credit? The answer is probably yes. <laughs> I, I do wonder if there's there's something kind of fascinating in that idea of Chucky being taken apart and reconstructed and the kind of whole ship of thesis element of it, where like, what part of Chucky is tied to the doll? What part of Chucky is himself? Where does the soul of Chucky reside? If you keep taking these pieces apart and putting them back together and replacing them, like, at what point does he stop being, like, Chucky the killer doll? At what point does he stop being the killer doll that he originally was? how do the like metaphysics of that work and and obviously like that's something that the the franchise gets into later down the line more directly more overtly and i'm absolutely here for that but i love that like even at the start of the second movie there's already kind of that weird sense of like to what extent is this him to what extent is is chucky one thing versus a mass produced kind of consumer object i i just again I find it fascinating. It's something I really like about how weird these films are.
2: I'm kind of surprised they didn't just go to the, the simpler thing of have him, you know, Chucky's become slightly biological, so he's healed. But to be fair, he's like, pretty, pretty plus thoroughly. Plus would set you up for, for later sequels. He's pretty
0: thoroughly like dismantled at the end of the first movie. They do. I, I,
2: <laughs> I know but magic healing because he's a magic part human doll because he's becoming more human. It, it, it would have been very easy for them just to sidestep all that and just have him well I'm fine again da, 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 da. <laughs> I do totally. like Chucky Wolverine I like that he regrows him, from like a yeah. single cell in <laughs> the
1: first movie it's like the only way to kill him is first you have to remove its batteries and it's like no it doesn't have batteries <laughs> oh good well just, uh, just shoot it through the heart then <laughs> But don't put batteries back in
0: it. <laughs> whatever you do, yeah.
4: <laughs> whatever you do. But, but like I, I do it, think that they they're so op- occupied in the first uh, film, which we talked about the last podcast about, like you know uh, consumerism. they like they have to make it the fault of the good guys, their play pals or whatever they're called um, organization. They have to make it their fault. That is what they want to do, and that's really fun. We get to meet some really skeezy people
0: (laughs) i love that like the boss has like a limo with a vanity plate fun one
4: that's so good
0: (laughs) (laughs) and and again like the factory line which looks absurd like the climax of the movie and again so much of this movie is and like as as Jimanda pointed out, you know, in the later movies, which we're not going to talk about, the series becomes very overtly referential, where you have, like, Chucky referencing, like, what does this person with a bunch of nails in their head remind me of, I wonder? Must be some other <laughs> franchise! Um, but, like, here you have, like, the franchise referencing things, like, for example, the climax is The Shining. Like, the bit where they're running around the factory through the Uh, maze of dolls is shot like it's from The Shining. You have, like, again, (laughs) we mentioned the cabinet of Dr. Calgary. We mentioned, like, the conveyor belt, like, modern times, which I love as well. The idea of, like, putting Chucky through, like, the Charlie Chaplin mechanism as well. The fact that the guard is watching, like, Frankenstein. And the fact that, obviously, like, the electric bolt as well from the body, like, feels like Frankenstein as well. Like, I like that without being very on the nose about it, these feel like movies that are very much like ripping wholesale from classic horror cinema
1: yeah and oh, I, awesome. I i guess you mentioned three uh robocop references earlier on today but it, it also uh, chucky gets the Emil treatment because he gets covered in toxic waste and then he gets burst like a like 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 a chinese spy balloon is that a <laughs> dated reference
2: i think
0: it's a dated when this reference comes out now, yeah yeah
1: I- because earlier today, it was very topical.
3: <laughs>
2: Sorry,
0: Joanna.
3: I, uh,
2: I absolutely, the, the shot where he expands and his eye looks around in panic and then he explodes. <laughs> yes. That was the the only shot that I can recall where Chucky didn't feel like a very clever special effect. That I actually felt like a character. You know, the the I was getting an actual emotion from, you know, from, from that, you know, doll just with that look of panic. It was like spectacularly like, yeah. done.
3: Yeah. I
0: mean, we sh- we should note, by the way, that like one of the big things about this movie is they went completely animatronic uh, with it. This is mostly mm. Kevin Yeager's stuff. Now, obviously, we mentioned the puppet was a nightmare to work with. Like, last time, we mentioned that it took, like, 24 takes for him to push a button at one point. Um, and we mentioned, like, all the difficulties with that. They got it much more ironed out. They had that big universal money. And LaFia made the commitment that he wanted to use the puppet for the entirety of this movie so every shot including close-ups including shots of the doll's hands including shots of the doll in like you know mid and wide shots as well he wanted them all to be animatronic they did bring back Ed Gale and there are only two shots in this movie that use Ed Gale the, the kind of the little person performer um, and it is worth noting that there are three shots in the extended cut so the, the shot from the extended cut that was cut there's a moment where he goes rummaging through the paperwork Um, that like Greg what's, what's the name of the actor um, the guy from uh, Abbey
2: Mc- Graham? Greg know, German. The- Greg what?
1: Greg German. Greg German. German. Or Ger- German? Yes. He's very good. Very well cast.
2: Very I well think. cast in yeah. a very early role.
0: But like the bit where he's rummaging through the car there's a sequence where they use Ed Gale's hands there but that's cut from the movie. There's another sequence where when Chucky is burying Tommy eat dirt Tommy That shot from above is Ed Gale. And there's a sequence where Andy is menaced in the basement where Chucky is seen running behind uh, some white sheets in silhouette. That is also Ed Gale. Those are the only three shots in the movie that use an actual performer. All of the rest of them use an animatronic doll, which is quite impressive and ambitious. I'm not entirely sure that it works. What what do you think, Charlene? Oh, I
4: do. I um, I mean, I I think the thing with... mixing it. I think they do a really good job in the first film, but I think you really notice when it's a person rather than an animatronic toy uh in the first film. Like it's really and it's it's adorable and you're like, "Oh, look, it's just a small person." <laughs> um <laughs> but in the second one, it feels a bit more consistent, like it's not uh distracting me from <laughs> Chucky's stabbing. <laughs> Well, I mean, like they
0: they and again to give an example of how like much work this took for the sequences where Chucky speaks and like there are a lot of a lot of scenes in this movie that I admire that the camera focus treats Chucky as an actual actor and focuses mm-hmm. like on his face while he's delivering lines, which is yeah. really difficult because anybody who's animated will tell you the lips are the hardest part to animate while somebody is articulating. So in order to get the puppet to match Brad Dorff's voice recording. They would play the recording on set at like one quarter speed, and then they would move the lips in slow motion to form the shapes. It's nice. quite impressive technically, and then obviously speed it up, play it at four times speed, and it would look like the doll was talking. It's something I admire technically, but I'm not sure if it works entirely for me. But am I alone in that or
1: No, they they um they didn't um they didn't get um Brad Dorff to talk like four times slower (laughs) and then speed that
3: up. Can you deliver the
0: performance at four times? I mean, like I want to ask about like Brad Dorff's performance here. I want to get a read on the room of this where I am of two minds. The first of which is there's a sense in which Dorff is maybe less dialed in here than he is in child's play. And maybe some of the sequels that follow where a lot of this seems like they put him in a booth for like four hours and they got what they got out of him. The other thing is that like, this also feels like the Chucky performance. totally
1: didn't need to do this. What? Is the thing. Yeah yeah they, that they, they, they yeah, it is it would be very easy to kind of replace um, him yeah but, but I mean, uh, like obviously they he must have felt some attachment yeah. um to oh, it I'm because just, if if he had been any way like kind of cold feet in this i think the, the and i think he's very good yeah i just think that it it's it's possible like as they have done um uh, i think with mark hamill um that you can find It is a very good vocal performance, but there are other people who can do it.
0: Well, I mean, the the other thing I was going to say was like, that's one half of it where I think that this is maybe the least interesting Chucky vocal performance. Well, one of the least interesting Chucky vocal performances for me of the franchise. But the other part is it's the one that feels most Chicago like every time every time that like Dorif plays the role and I love this about him he seems to come back with a note and this is particularly obvious when you get to like the show where he's playing like four or five different versions of Chucky and every one of them has a bit and it's like you can tell that Dorif's like this is like acting camp for me (laughs) what if Chucky was Marlon Brando what if Chucky was you know like a five year old girl and it's like go, just go to town on it Brad have some fun here the note is like what if Chucky was the most Chicago where it's like keep going there are like there are moments where he just like tells like when he's directing greg to keep driving like it's just like keep going it's like (laughs) and also by the way i love that the toy company executive is like not at all like he's he's upset that there's a gun being pointed in his face but he's very accepting of the fact that the doll that he tossed into the (laughs) backseat has become self-aware and is like holding him hostage i really really (laughs) love that
2: sequence well, that, that that executive has seen Small Soldiers, or possibly, you know, the, the real events that Small Soldiers was based on.
0: Oh, Yep. Yeah. Well, and, and again, like, it is worth noting that that's kind of the kind of stuff that got cut from in the seven minutes, you discover that that character has a wife, and he's actually having an affair. It's his mistress that he's bringing the vodka to. Uh, which oh, is that a very doesn't important...
4: surprise me one bit. That's very Richard Fish from Ali McBeal behavior. Yeah.
0: <laughs> I love that he had a type even before he was cast in Ali McBeal. It's yeah. like, at some point in the future, people are going to be watching this in retrospect and they're going to be like, yeah, this this, this will fit with that character, this persona that you have. <laughs> um, Does
1: she have a waddle? <laughs> the...
0: <laughs> um, but uh, just uh, so, Andrew, any any notes from yourself on this, on Child's on, on T- on Play 2? Anything you want to talk about?
1: yeah i i thought the chucky flipping the bird is, is <laughs> during is, the car is,
0: chase that's a scene yeah. where he's in the back of the van
1: is, uh, it's a real delight <laughs> and and i think it's 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 kind of like um they call back to it with kyle flipping him the bird
0: yeah fun fact about that scene they couldn't get the puppet to close the, it was supposed the puppet was supposed to close its fist on camera so it was supposed to, like, raise its hand and then close the other, like, three fingers in order to show the the kind of the middle finger. But they couldn't get it to work on the day. So instead, they just, like, Aww. cheated and closed the three fingers and just had it move the arm up into view. Which, ironically, I think works better. Like, I kind <laughs> of think that shot is, like, just so effective of, like, what how Chucky is. He already has the finger. I
1: think finger whatever way go. you do it, it needs to kind of, like, uh, come slowly. Up. <laughs> <laughs> like...
0: Um, But, like, in, in terms of kind of stuff that I like about this, again, we mentioned last week, like, Mancini's kind of, like, the auteur of this, and I think Gemanda mentioned earlier that, that kind of, like, Mancini is the auteur of this kind of project, and he's, like, a consistent hand that guides the franchise, so you have these recurring themes throughout, and I think that this is the one where it seems like he's really honing in on what the series is going to be, obviously not to the extent that he does when he writes, like, Bride or Direct Seed or whatever down the line, but here you start seeing stuff like the fact that this is a movie about Andy being moved through foster care and the fact that like throughout the child Play and Chucky franchises, you have this idea of children, well, people in general, but children in particular being like institutionalized and being placed in these systems that don't care for them. Um, And obviously, like, Child's Play 3, which we're never going to talk about, um, is, you know, Military Academy and stuff like that. We mentioned that there's a psychiatric institution in one of the later movies as well. There's a Catholic school when you get to the TV show. There's all this sort of stuff. Here you have the idea of Andy being kind of moved through foster care, which I quite like, and that kind of sets up that idea down the line, that there's, like, these kids who, we mentioned last week, the latchkey kids, the latchkey generation, the kids not raised by parents, but raised by pop culture institutions or whatever. And I like that this is Kind of a movie from Andy's perspective, like thematically and literally. Like, Jenny Agutter thought that she was the lead of this movie and she gets second billing. (laughs) And I think, like, you could, it's very obvious that they figured out that that's not what it is. But, like, I like that this is, like, with the removal of Andy's mother, this becomes kind of the story of Andy having to navigate this world alone and having no support structure whatsoever and having nobody who believes him nobody who will listen to him nobody who will like accept him or accept his story and i think there's something kind of interesting and compelling in that that becomes like the heart of the child's play franchise as it goes on
1: and having said that though kyle um is kind of becomes the 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 second lead is christian elise elise yeah where I kind of yeah. looked looked her up, and then it was like it's mostly Chucky movies. So it's like, <laughs> okay, I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll be I'm I'll be seeing her and again. And Beverly um,
4: Hills nine oh two one oh.
1: Yes,
0: not forget. Another like again, we we mentioned this feeling like a like a nightmare in Elm Street movie. That again, that kind of like blonde out of a bottle eighties like teenage girl with sunglasses. This is one of those things that feels like it's a Wes Craven thing.
4: Um, I was just gonna say that, like, kind of following on from your point, Aaron. I think that Kyle represents this thing that you see in um, later Chucky movies, which is finding families in various different forms and various different levels of toxicity. <laughs> um, but that, you know, you know, this thing of like institutions and people having to fend for themselves and then finding families. And I think that Kyle and Andy's little relationship is quite sweet in the middle. Maybe that's what Jenny Agutter's problem was, that like actually the that. what really does work is that Kyle does look after him in a way that that, you know, Joanne couldn't because she was dead. <laughs> but, uh, <you> know, but <laughs>
0: that is a major problem. That tends to be a problem when you're housing children. But yeah.
4: also didn't have that kind of like um, street smarts that Kyle had that she was able to look after him and believe him and trust him and, you know, all that kind of stuff. I thought that was quite sweet. And that does like that kind of found family thing is a huge thing throughout the the Chucky franchise.
1: It's that kind of anxiety of the 80s where you have like these latchkey children because their parents are dead. <laughs> and <laughs> and their mind is. And
4: working. <laughs> yeah. And a teenager who smokes. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but seriously, I do like that like how much of this movie is, like, from Andy's POV. Like, we mentioned uh, earlier today when we were talking about the first Child's Play, how, like, one of the cheats that Holland did to get around the fact that, like, the dummy didn't work was, like, shooting from Chucky's perspective. So you see the camera in Chucky's perspective as it's moving towards victims. Here you get that mirrored with, like, a shot of, like, you know, this this childlike figure going downstairs and pulling a knife out of the drawer. And surprise, you're actually seeing it from Andy's perspective. Like the, yeah. the use of primary colors, we mentioned like the blue, the yellows, the oranges, the fact that like all the ceilings seem so high, the fact that the angles are generally low, but even smaller, smaller touches like the repeated references to fairy tales. Because uh, you have obviously like Pinocchios brought up in here as well, and you have various other kind of discussions. And this idea that like, you know, this fairy tales are the way that children process existential fears inside themselves, that these scary yeah. stories that we tell are how children process these primal emotions and the sense that like Chucky is you know like every other horror movie a way of working through some sort of primal fear or anxiety in Andy's case the the fear that he is commodified like a doll that he's going to be passed around like around these foster parents like a doll being handed down from like one family to a next being sold and treated like a trinket like one of Phil's little ornaments that he has on display I think all that stuff is very smart and very interesting it's kind of like what i really like about this yeah. movie and what i think really works for this movie thematically and visually and kind of this unity of theme in terms of like writing performance direction and just the way it's
2: structured i have a, I have a question about the jenny Agatha extra footage yes because when i watched it i was just i was wondering at the uh the restraint of not showing her death scene, not properly. Mm, that was is like,
1: interesting, yeah.
2: Was, was was that in the extended version? No,
0: that was not in the TV oh. cut either, which is one of those things where, like, oh. she talked about how, like, it happened during filming. So part of me is like, that feels like something that happened during filming, was that she just ripped out those pages. Because, um, like, nice. she, it's herself and Phil's death who, like, that, that ends the second act and pushes the movie into the third. And you get to see Phil's death, at least. How's it hanging, Phil? Um, which like <laughs> is literally in the trailer, like that that moment is in the trailer. Um, but I like, feel you,
1: like yeah, the 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 problem with killing uh, is it Laura, Joanne. Uh, Joanne, sorry. The problem with killing Joanne is that you can't really save her. That dead. It's it, it's probably better as a no no because 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 you feel for yes her. because yeah yeah you can't
0: really root for Chucky like Phil exactly. deserves it. Phil, like, it, like it, Phil is it, an it, asshole. It
1: works better as a shock.
0: Yes um like th- that's the thing about this movie if i were giving to find it... that
1: the kind of salvation has been yeah um destroyed i guess
3: yeah
0: yeah like, like there's no catharsis in it like you you have the moment where like greg germain's matson is it's like established as an asshole where he's like i just want to yeah. go and get laid but also i don't have any cash and i'm going to yell at the cashier in this thing i am the most <laughs> unpleasant person you have ever met and you've only spent two yeah. minutes with me the thing with the joanne and phil stuff and i i want to this is the thing where Darren gives movies too much credit. I'm gonna put my hands up and I'm gonna say I am probably giving Child's Play 2 far too much credit. But it's telling that like you have the first movie is the story of like Andy of Karen who is Andy's like single mom. Single working mom who's not able to take care of Andy and kind of like ends up like disintegrating as a result of that. Where she like she's compelled to buy him Chucky because she needs to make up for her absence. She feels like she's not providing for him emotionally or physically. Backstreet and, Chucky. What? Lashkey
1: Chucky. I bet, no, I said a backstreet Chucky. A
0: backstreet Chucky, yeah. Everybody, yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but the thing, and, and it's telling that this movie opens with like just the curt dismissal of Karen. Where it's like, she went to court, she backed up Andy. She did what a mother is supposed to do, which is to say that her son is telling the truth. And to make sure that he is not committed to a psychiatric institution. And her child is taken away from her. She is deemed to be an unfit mother for doing what to any outside observer who has seen child's play is a rational thing for a parent to have done in that situation and then on the other hand you have like almost as a contrast to that this movie setting up the idea of like the suburban ideal and Andrew's like laughing this is prime doubt is this what you're thinking?
1: <laughs> no no I, I like the thought that the mother is like okay like talking to a l- lawyer is like okay so what's the next move? It's like no no You there's nothing really you can do you're cuckoo bananas
3: <laughs> 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 like <laughs>
2: They ever bring her back? I don't think so. No,
0: like they keep teasing bringing back like Chris Sarandon. Like every time, every every Chucky movie, you will read a note in production that says, "And the producers reached out to Chris Sarandon to reprise his role, but he was unfortunately unavailable at that moment in time." But <laughs> Catherine Hicks is like so busy, married, yeah, so so much doing so much that that uh, <laughs> that Chris Sarandon. But like Catherine Hicks is like married to Kevin Yeager, who is like the guy who operates the Chucky puppet, yeah. and it always feels like. That's the one you should be acting
4: back. Yeah. Maybe she absolutely hates Don Mancini now. Maybe that's...
0: (laughs) It's just awkward. It's awkward when she visits
2: set. Sorry. sorry. They could easily, if that was it, they could easily recast. So clearly they, for some reason, don't want to, or they have a a perfect story in mind that they've just not got around to yet. Yeah, I mean it does feel like that. not to get into spoilers for the TV show, which we're never going to discuss, but the idea that
0: like the TV show brings back all of these characters and all these people who you think are gone from the franchise. It's and
1: and An- Andy is um a punk teenager and um decides to 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 try and break um his his mother out of, out of, a, psychiatric out of the psychiatric institute. hospital. Does he have the, but the good Chucky is also catching up and, uh, and the warden is licking her face.
2: Are you suggesting they should have done the basic plot of the first half of, like, Terminator 2, but with yes. Chucky? <laughs> yes. Essentially.
0: <laughs> two, two different versions of Chucky. And
4: then also the second half of Terminator 2, but with, with Chucky. Chucky. <laughs> yeah,
3: like,
4: a good Chucky and a bad Chucky. Yeah. yeah. One's
2: liquid. Yes. That, that, that is yes. awesome. Yes. Yeah. And they have
4: to kill each other. Yeah. Totally. You have, have, like,
1: an actual uh, good guy. Yeah. I, I, he ooh, is ooh. like that's
0: the tagline this time. He's a good guy, <laughs> and I,
1: I like I like I like Chucky's hand just coming up out of the boat yeah. like flipping the R-
4: bird, flipping the bird, <laughs> as the in the bath of molten plastic. Um, Bones and roses on the soundtrack. What, yeah. I love
0: it. Don Mancini, please feel free to steal that idea, but what I, <laughs> please. What, what I was going to say was, you go from that idea of again that single mother who can, who you know has the child taken away from her because she's deemed to be an unfit mother and taken and dropped into this foster home by this couple who are like very much, again, they're like they're like villains in a Tim Burton movie and I know that's down to the production design and how it's shot but they are this they're this like perfect suburban family you have Phil talking about how everything has its place how this very old ornament is very important and you must preserve it you have this house where the spatial dimensions make no sense whatsoever the photographs on the wall are this kind of like rich family lineage it's very different from like the version of Chicago that we saw in the original Child's Play in large part because it's mostly shot in like California a couple of like miles away from where they shot the first couple of halloween movies but it it does feel like mancini's maybe getting at something there about the idea that phil is a yuppie you see him wearing a suit at various points you see him going to the office he has a briefcase when the kids are leaving for school he's the breadwinner in the family and he's very much like a father knows best figure like it, it like the way I, that
2: oh sorry i remember well when i was watching it, i was completely confused as to why the hook these people have you know why they have so many kids there if they're just gonna have all these really expensive ancient, you know, breakable ornaments everywhere? Like it did not make yeah. sense to me. No, this, uh, these two choices. But
4: like the idea that you have
1: this like, is very true. It, it is. Like, speak, speaking to my.
4: Maybe it's part of disciplining the children.
1: The, <laughs> temptation. My wife and I talk a lot about like she she's got very she's got quite good taste. So she tends to fill the house with beautiful things, and I, I, I always remind her that like this will all be destroyed, <laughs> like that cup that you like. Like if we, if we, if we have a child.
4: Okay, know. I
0: was worried that you were just talking about yourself.
1: No, no, no. Okay.
4: <laughs> I'm gonna destroy all your nice shit. Why did you bring me into your life?
1: I'm actually good at at, at not breaking stuff, except for Darren's house.
4: Yeah, you did kill my house. I did
1: I kill your house. Kill my house yeah. at
0: one point. Um, but. <laughs> The, the point that I'm kind of getting at there is the idea that, like... Joanne has, like, given up her career. And, like, again, there is something in that idea that, like, Joanne is the only person here who doesn't feel like a cartoon. Even the way she's styled and dressed. It's not just a gutter's performance. Like, she's wearing, like, real person clothes, for example. She's not wearing, like, weird 80s Nightmare on Elm Street cosplay. She's wearing, like, denim jeans and a cardigan. She looks like a real person. She,
1: yeah, she she's not... Like, like, there's a kind of, like, a John Hughes movie kind of energy to some of the other kind of yeah. performances. Where, like, even yes.
0: Kyle is wearing sunglasses and has her hair... And is wearing like waistcoats and white shirts and stuff. Sorry, sorry, Jamanda.
2: Oh, just if they, uh, if they had, if those extra minutes were there, I got the feeling I'd be weirdly invested in in the drama there. Like, uh, Friday the 13th, part three, I whenever I watch it and I've watched it a number of times either I get really invested in the drama you know about you know poor Shelley being self-loathing and being bullied and you know trying to have friends for the first time ever and then you know I'm really sad that I, I want the I want Jason to stop killing people because I, I want more drama there <laughs> or I want everyone dead depending on how how I'm feeling you know mood wise <laughs> It's
4: nice I, I to get, have those those options to feel one way or the other Yeah and I get the
2: feeling that if if the those extra scenes of Jenny Agatha were actually in there I'd have a very similar feeling for this being like, oh, poor Jenny Agater. And then I watched it again a year later. And I'm like, oh, fucking killer.
0: Kill <laughs> <laughs> like, even like in the seven minutes that are added, you get a much greater sense of the idea that like they are foster parents and they want to adopt and they want to adopt full time, but there just aren't quote unquote enough kids to go round. And like, this is the thing where Phil... Phil is a yuppie and it's this 80s commercialism thing and it's this idea of this being a movie from Andy's perspective but the idea that to Phil the kid is like a resource he's a family he's an accessory he's something to have in the house okay. he's a he's this idea of a status symbol or an object it's something well, he that he does want wife the wants. kid what
1: he doesn't want the kid to no he doesn't with, want though. it but the
0: wife wants it and so it's something that he should have hmm like and that's the thing where and like he talks about the kid as if the kid's defective so when they're like having the conversation with the social worker and he's like look i heard about the backstory is this is this kid okay and then later on after like the the kind of incident at the school and stuff he's like well we got to send him back and that's like that's what you deal with like a dented amazon package
3: yeah (laughs) that's what
0: happens when you get a like a lawn ornament that you've opened the package and there's a dent in it you send it back and you see if you can get a replacement for it or one that you kind of want and you have like you have Joanne literally saying, you you don't just send him back. That's not what a family is. You don't just return him yeah. because he's not fit for a purpose. And I kind of like the idea that if we're being very, very, very generous to Child's Play 2, you can kind of read that into it where... The what Diamanda mentioned as, like, the juxtaposition between the domestic stuff that's happening with the Simpson family, and I think the Simpson family name is not a coincidence there, and the factory assembly line stuff that happens in Act 3, which is much more overtly cartoonish and kind of modern timesy, I think they're two halves of the same coin, because, like, the Simpson stuff is very much like, well, this is just a mechanism of family. It's family reduced to, like a factory assembly line the kids rotate through here Mm. you have the idea of kyle kind of aging out the idea that joanne never really gets attached to any of these children because they're rotated out too soon and what she wants is she wants an actual maternal connection to these kids and phil doesn't really want that phil just wants like something that will make her happy but also doesn't want any kid in the house that's going to knock over the nice ornaments that look very expensive Mm. and i think you know if That feels like something the movie is kind of getting at, where like, is there that much difference between how Phil and Joanne kind of treat Andy and how you know the good guy doll is kind of treated as this kind of thing that comes out of an assembly line and is just kind of given out to you? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe that's maybe that's a reach. Maybe that's maybe I'm breathing. I
4: don't know. I think it's there because there's as you've already said, this stuff comes up throughout the franchise, so I think it's there. Whether it's like just in Don Mancini's brain and he he just like accidentally lets it bleed into storytelling but like it is there because it's there all over the place
0: and I do I do love the absurdity of like Chucky just burying Tommy in the backyard like I love <laughs> yeah. I love that sequence just again the gothic horror under
4: the swing like the most yeah. amount like the most like <laughs> Probable place it's going to get kicked
0: out. (laughs) He couldn't even just like throw it in, like walk to the street and throw it in somebody else's dustbin. In
1: fairness, I think it is the most kind of um to disturb the earth it's the yeah most it's the most inconspicuous place to 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 create a grave <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like just below a swing have you
2: got
0: experience sure. at that yeah welcome to andrew rates the murder in the movie because <laughs> um,
1: yeah, people will think like oh yeah that's just the area of of, of ground that people are scuffing like and. on i on the swing yeah. yeah
2: and and as they start a new podcast yeah. about
0: this <laughs> yeah. when we talk about like we talk about the no country for old men andrew's like that's some good strangling technique he's using no, the it, it, was, it was a bad <laughs>
1: strangling technique because oh, he wasn't it was, it was like anton chigur was um all your man needed to do was just turn around <laughs> um he's and like, would be soft yeah 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 so
0: andrew how would you rate the killing the murders in this movie
1: okay so
0: Andrew's like, let me get the spreadsheet open.
1: There's the electrocution, (laughs) which isn't really for any reason, um, aside from the
0: fact it's a sequel and we need to, like, yeah,
1: like I can't remember. Did the technician do? Was there any point where it's like, um, let's save the arm? (laughs) Like, no, total body prosthesis. Um, Was was was. um, (laughs) like like he didn't seem to he didn't um, do anything to deserve it it. no
0: he didn't do it like there's nothing about him in particular in the novelization he's the inventor of the good guy doll so that is the significance of that in the novelization it's a novelization oh 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 we'll be covering
1: that later
0: uh, (laughs) (laughs) you have no okay let's talk about the novelization very we'll get back to Andrew's kill list in a moment The novelization to this is bonkers, uh, in large part because it feels like it's one of those projects where, like, the writer got to go off, Matthew J. Costello got to go off into his own little head, where he got to, like, create, like, a backstory for Charles Lee Ray (laughs) and to explain why Charles Lee Ray is the way that he is. And it is quite something to behold. Um, Suffice to say that, like, Don Mancini did not feel held to this backstory that (laughs) Matthew J. Costello provided for the motivations of Charles Lee Ray. But apparently, Charles Lee Ray was born to a woman, a little person. She was a woman uh, with dwarfism. And she resented uh, people who were of average height. And so, brutalized him and bullied him as a child. And that caused him to lash out and strangle her as a teenager. And therefore, that explains the psychology of Chucky being trapped
2: inside a good guy doll for mm-hmm. some reason. See, if they... If they'd done a flashback of that in an actual early Chucky film, you know, and cast Zelda Rubinstein as his mother, that would have been amazing.
4: Oh yeah. <laughs>
2: <laughs> but it, it suffice to say that, like, when Don Mancini does
0: get around to revealing Charles Lee Ray's backstory, he's like, let's not go in that direction. <laughs> <laughs> but sorry, Andrew, you were you were discussing your your favorite deaths.
1: Yes. Um, I I, I think Chucky himself is is is, is the best death. All I, three I, of them. Um, yeah, I, th- I think it's him getting. Um, well, I feel like the, uh, him getting covered in acid and blown up is, um, one. <laughs> is one. Yeah, but maybe, yeah. maybe. I don't know. Maybe it's not. Like no, He's
0: denying Jesus. It's, you got to do it three times.
1: So you have like his legs get killed,
0: <laughs> and kill he turns his... into like one of the characters from Todd Browning's Freaks. I'm gonna
1: mm. cut your legs off. <laughs> he lo- he he loses his hand. That's pretty good. And I, and
0: like what was probably a reference to the Evil Dead films because I think Mancini's a big fan. Where he replaces I th- it.
1: Yeah. I think yeah. I don't think Chucky does like. St- I I think the stuff that is done to Chucky is pretty much all better than the stuff that he does to people. Here he kind of doubles up on the um. He has a lot of skipping
0: ropes. Yes, yes, he does. And he's <laughs> very, very
2: good at tying them.
1: Yeah, yeah.
2: Yeah, Chucky's killings, uh, they don't become truly insane until, like, Bright of, right of Chucky.
4: <laughs> yeah, like, he's not enjoying himself quite as much here no.
2: as he does yeah.
4: later. <laughs> but,
2: like, that, yeah, that's... this is more business.
4: Yeah, like, he settles into, like, right, I'm stuck in this body and so I'm just going to have to really, really, really enjoy killing until eternity and yeah. now he's like he is all business as you say
0: i make art till people die um but <laughs> like th- that's the thing i kind of like about chucky and i mean Pl- the,
1: the the murder of uh mrs kettlewell is is actually f- very underwhelming he seems to beat her with a ruler does she even die <laughs> I'd like, oh, like
3: to think she does.
4: The I mean, he does, like, he does stick
0: the thing into her lungs, doesn't, and then beats her with the ruler.
4: Yeah, I think and there's a blood. there's a stab
1: yeah. like with with a with like a pen so or something, so isn't I, it? Yeah, with a pump. So I think,
0: oh I, think it's yeah. like a. Yeah. That's not going to kill
4: her. <laughs> like stab somebody really with a pump in the like in the lungs. If she didn't die and she showed back up in a Chucky TV series or something, that'd be great. There's <laughs> yeah, exactly. a great twist.
1: You stab people in in the lungs with a pump to kind of like bring them back to life. (laughs) Maybe
0: <laughs> uh, she's more it's a medical procedure yeah. yeah she's got more air in her
1: she's like oh thank <laughs> you Chucky a- again you have that how do I of- how do I thank you
0: <laughs> yeah for resuscitating
2: me you cured my lung
0: cancer <laughs> yeah. but that, that idea of institutional violence as well because she's beating her with a ruler which is corporal punishment like in schools like schools used to do but I like the shot that like I love that in HD as the camera pulls back from the school and the open window you can still see the ruler going up and down in the puppet's yeah. hand which is like one so of those good things that I love HD. I love about HD. It's like, yep, yeah, no, that the, they were shooting this, like, 200 metres away, and you could still see that. <laughs> really your parents
1: are at home, it's like, hope Andy's okay. Uh, why? Has... His teacher died today. Well, to be fair, the only thing Joanne notes
0: is like he wrote an obscenity to her. Like I yeah. love that it's like he got sent home from school because he wrote an obscenity. Obviously,
3: the news that like Miss she Kettleman killed herself had, like,
1: after reading the fucking bitch, yeah. <laughs> the fucking bitch on an on, 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 on an exam. he like, you killed herself with, with a with a pump and a ruler. And a ruler. Yeah. <laughs> That's the
0: thing about like Chucky's killing here, which I quite like, is that like Chucky is. I think pathetic and I think the movie is aware of how pathetic he is so little things like for example the bit where like his his one-liners here are like awful but they're like so awful they're great like pull over this piece of shit um when he's talking to Greg (laughs) which is just like
2: that's not a funny line but I love how insistent he is oh he's just an asshole trying to be a a slasher villain yeah trying to be Freddy Krueger That was it. Like Mancini describes it, Napoleon
0: syndrome in very literal form, where he's like, he's got <laughs> yeah. like the, the bit that
2: like he's trying Ooh, to angry
1: belligerent, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah,
0: um, like the fact that like he's like, I'm going to ruin Andy's life. I want to transfer my soul into Andy. How do I do this? Because the way in which that sequence where he's in the classroom is shot, where like you come with the camera behind him and he's looking through the desk and he's searching, and you get like a moment of him going, ah, that's not it. Where's it? The... There it is. And it's like you're meant to be like, oh my god, what is what what clever what fiendishly <laughs> genius idea has Chucky latched on to allow him to transfer his soul into Andy's body and it turns out it's just writing fuck you bitch in big red letters on a test with Andy's name on it like I love how like small minded so you get any
1: marks at all for that no? <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah like that, that's why Freddie that's why I'm more of a Freddie guy than a Chucky guy it feels like
4: you know Chucky has to, has to grow He also
0: and... says bitch <laughs> he, he does yes. It was a very age. I don't
4: know like do you not think that Chucky did that deliberately so that Andy would get detention and therefore be on his own He's playing than be chants. on the school yeah. bus back to the house?
0: I know, but it's not the most like it's it's the most basic way of
4: accomplishing
0: that goal. Like it's it's like it's like first idea, best idea. There's no joy in it.
2: There's no creating no. no spark. There's no like <laughs> joy de vivre and it. it's <laughs> possibly what they should have done was have him work out much earlier in the film that he can't transfer himself into Andy's body because he's been the doll for too long and then just have it so he's maliciously trying to destroy Andy's life rather than uh, he's destroying Andy's life in order to become Andy so then he'll inherit a life that's been destroyed <laughs> Uh, Which is not a good plan. (laughs) No, no, Chucky's not a guy who thinks several steps ahead,
0: which I I do (laughs) think is intentional. I do think like it's something that they're aware of in plotting. I think I think
1: it's a good idea to get him on his own, maybe with the teacher, rather than kind of chance like all the. Kid bullies.
0: Good point. Because
1: they'd definitely be like, if they find Chucky with Andy, they will be tear like, Chucky. What apart. are you doing with your stupid toy and the yeah. jerkhead? Yeah. And will tear the puppet
0: apart <laughs> yeah. or throw it down a toilet or something. And or like, then,
1: and life. then you get a scene where like Chucky is is like just slicing through <laughs> like, <laughs> a bunch of kids. Yeah.
0: Um. I mean. I love, and again, that ineffectiveness, the moment where, like, in the detention where Andy finds him and, like, locks him in the cupboard, and he can't get out of the cupboard. He's yeah. like, Andy, <laughs> let me out! I promise I won't kill any more people. I promise, I swear. Now let me out, you bastard! <laughs> like, I, I love how pathetic he is, that it's like he's oh, yeah. stopped by a locked door, which is, yeah. again, not something that is true of, like, Jason or Freddy or Michael Myers or anything like that, which I love. You and know. again, the way in which it's shot as well, which is this very stylized expressionistic thing where like the keyhole is giant and the puppet eye on the other side of it is also giant. <laughs> so it has this kind of like very stylized, very heightened, all practical kind of thing that I love. Again, I love just the texture of this movie. Mm. If it makes sense, if that makes sense. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, all right, do we want to talk a little bit about the climax of the movie? So the bit where they go to the good guy's factory? Because um, I think, Jamonda, you mentioned that that was something that feels very different from the rest of the movie. Do you like or do you think it's better or worse?
2: It felt like, uh, honestly, it felt like the Robin Williams movie Toys. Like the scene was taken from from that and someone had just set, filmed the slasher thing in a, a leftover set from that. It was just, it was very weird, but I'm going to rewatch it at some point and keep an eye out for what you're saying about the stylistic stuff and the Calgary stuff in the house to see if I can make it less jarring for myself. But like, notice the ceilings. The ceilings are very high. Like they, they talked about this when they were building, they had to build
0: sets with roofs mm-hmm. because LaFia had decided he was going to shoot from low angles because he wanted to shoot from Randy's perspective. And normally those sets don't have roofs on them because that's where you put the lights in order to light the, the scenes. Um, So like all the roofs are like, 20 feet higher than they should be which is amazing it's just something you notice it's delightful sorry
2: i'm gonna i'm gonna pay attention to that next time i watch it
0: i love that it's like when you're watching child's play 2 you really have to pay attention to the roofs that's that's where the heart (laughs) of the movie lies
2: that's your one piece of advice i'm the one that a couple of months ago i had to watch all the leprechaun movies in a row in order to come up with a continuity for them because, you know, a patron requested it. So, you know, I'm happy to re-watch <laughs> Child's Play 2 and, you know, and look for what you want me to look for. <laughs> <laughs> um, but what about yourself, Charlene, the climax of the movie, the setting in the Play Pals factory,
0: the good guy doll floor?
4: I don't think it's good fun. I mean, it's just, I mean, it's just a big set piece, isn't it? Like, yeah. it might as well be there as anywhere else. Um I'm a big fan of, and like, it really has no bearing on anything. but The um the guy getting the eyes put in his eyes. Yeah. Like, that is the most horrific thing I've ever seen in my life. Uh, it's it's sort of needless. It's completely needless. But it's so fun.
0: And then he arranges the, bo- like, this is one of those, like, things where Chucky is as strong and as fast the plot needs him to be. He's apparently able to stage the body so it's dangling and swinging from the ceiling.
4: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like, why? Uh, but I love I love that. I'm such a big fan of that. But like yeah, generally I just like the the maze thing, the labyrinth thing, and like just how Chucky what Chucky goes through in the uh <laughs> In the fin- final scene uh, is great. Deserves every minute of it.
0: <laughs> and, uh, there is something very cathartic in that, in like watching him just get crushed.
4: Yeah, well, it's so gleeful. Yeah. Like, it's so gleeful. You love watching him getting like torn shreds. You, <laughs> I love him. I love him putting the knife in his little stump. And yes. I just think it's also good. He's so resourceful. I said this about him in the first movie. <laughs> but he's very, this, this is the thing about Charles Lee Ray. He's not a forward thinker. He's all He's all id. <laughs> But he is very resourceful. I, like,
0: I, I love the bit where he's being like, where he's pinned to the conveyor belt, heading up towards like the pressure thing, the, distro- the destroyer thing. It's like, I was just playing. I was just <laughs> playing around. Andy, come on.
4: <laughs> I love this. He's got no respect for Andy. He thinks that Andy's a stupid kid all the time. <laughs> love it. <laughs> Um, he's kind of a stupid kid but
1: it's like you're you're your daddy your daddy sent me from hell heaven heaven he sent me from heaven your daddy sent me
2: from heaven fuck you the fact Um, that he doesn't commit to these
3: things is
1: uh but i i i I was like i was looking at it and i was like surely there must be another way to to the exit rather than like going through the (laughs) machinery kind of like the exit's just on the other side of it and also doesn't work
0: But but again like that's the thing where this is not a movie based in any way in reality like there is no reality or logic to this movie which it's a cartoon which i kind of love and that's that's the thing i like about it and why i think like Andrew, you mentioned you don't generally like horror movies or slasher movies. I like that this is... The Chucky franchise is, like, fun, generally speaking. Yeah. Like, the people and- who die generally deserve to die. And so, like, as Charlene mentioned, like, the torturing of Chucky during this extended sequence, this humiliation conga that he goes through is, like, really cathartic.
1: And I'm a big defender of toys.
3: <laughs> yeah, so it really was grown in a lab specifically
0: for <laughs> yeah. you. Um. um But yeah, and anything else you want to talk about with regards to the movie? And we haven't discussed already anything jumping out at people.
4: I was just going to say the music is so good. Yes. Like it is so operatic and it is just so over the top and brilliant. I love it. It's beautiful too. I really like it.
0: By Graham Revel, um, who is an Australian composer, whose only theatrical credit before this point was the movie Dead Calm. uh, Billy Zane and Nicole Kidman and Sam Neill, if I remember correctly. Um, And basically, I love that when he was being interviewed for the job, they're like, so you've uh, you've you've worked with an orchestra before, then, right? And he was like, yes, yes, I have. <laughs> and then was like, I need to figure out how to work with an orchestra. Um, apparently, obviously, if you listen to the score, it is very heavily influenced by Danny Elfman, particularly like Danny Elfman's work with Tim Burton uh, leading up to this point. And he actually went to the point of hiring uh, Shirley Walker, who was one of Elfman's frequent collaborators, to help him orchestrate the score. Um, so there's a nice point of overlap there. And, like, as we mentioned, a lot of the themes that are used in this movie are used, like, throughout the later kind of child-play, Chucky, franchise, movies, series. I I do. I think the score, like the production design, like the cinematography, is massively underrated. I think it looks gorgeous. Mm. Um, And I will shout out, like, just in terms of cinematography, there are some beautiful shots in it. Like, the shots in the basement, where everything's dark, and, like, there are little bits of blue and yellow. Or there's a bit in the Mm. moment in the backyard where I think Kyle, where she finds the buried Tommy doll. Oh, yeah. And she turns... And you have just this arc of light across her eyes, like she's in a nineteen forties film noir. Yeah, um, it's just gorgeous. It's a really good looking movie, uh, and it's like really good in in H- in HD, which is it not is really nice. always the case with like slasher movie sequels. True. If we're being True. delicate. <laughs> um, but yeah, sorry, Andrew. Anything jumping out at you?
3: No, no, um, nothing.
0: Givanda, anything you want to talk about we haven't discussed already?
2: Not that I can think of. Um, I'm. I'm pretty sure I could talk your ear off if it was one of the uh another couple of child's play films, but this one I'm still in the it's it's good, it's just meh kind of camp. That's fair. That's fair. That is totally fair. That is absolutely fair. Um yeah, so uh
0: in terms of I think that's then about it. The only other thing to run through is inappropriate smoking, because obviously Kyle uh at various points. Yeah. Of him smoking. You also
1: have Andy smoking.
0: We do indeed, which is yeah. very, very inappropriate, uh one might say. Very. Um, it is like, again, one of the things that's disappeared from modern movies, uh, today you would never get that scene of Andy trying a cigarette. No. And, and the idea (laughs) of Kyle being like, they're awful and they taste bad. Why do you do it? Because sometimes adults do things that are bad for them, which is kind of just great. It's like, I don't do it because I like it. I do it because it's a marker that I'm an adult. Yeah. I'm a grown ass person and I can smoke a cigarette. Which
4: is pretty like, I think that's pretty basic teenager shit to say as well.
1: (laughs) (laughs)
0: Yeah. Um, in terms of food waste, is there any food waste? I
1: couldn't think of any. There was, of course, some in the first movie, but I, mm. I, 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 no, no.
0: I mean, it is probably worth like Matson's uh, wife. You know, um, in the yeah. extended cut, Matson's wife has put on dinner, oh. and he rings her up and he says he won't be home for dinner. So I guess that counts as food waste. That and is true. His mistress, um, who was maybe having some food with that vodka, I don't know. Um, <laughs> Maybe, maybe she's got two two meals it's ready like at home, and that, that food is wasted as two well. Two
1: sets of of dinners that have been ruined.
4: Ruined that of vodka is going to waste. That's yeah. for sure.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he doesn't buy the vodka, does he? Buy the vodka because he they don't accept credit cards. Oh, he doesn't
4: cards. get it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah.
0: I mean, Matson, you idiot! I love how incompetent Matson is. Just like he has, oh, like yeah. three scenes, and he's just terrible.
4: He's awful. I love that. And like, I love this argument of like going in and it's cash only. He's like, but this is a gold card. So obviously you could just like magic a machine onto your counter because it's a gold card.
0: And and later when he's bargaining for his life, it's like, I don't have any cash on me, but you can take my gold card. Go on, you're plastic, it's plastic, it'll work, it'll, it'll just be perfect, it'll work itself out.
4: And his first words... I mean, words, who knows the rules of these movies, it might work.
1: His first words when he comes back into the car aren't, um, hand over the vodka. Um, <laughs> like he's like, where is the vodka? <laughs> back in there, what do you mean you don't have any cash? <laughs> do you have a gold card? <laughs> <laughs> but
2: that is, that, is, that, is a, that is a
0: question. It's like, would Charles Lee Ray have left him alive if he had brought some vodka? <laughs> that, that is the important question. <laughs> All right, then. I think then that about wraps it up then in terms of, of Child's Play 2. But before we go, what we normally do at the end of the podcast is we ask our guests to recommend something, something they're enjoying at the moment. It could be something related to the movie, something unrelated to the movie, just something that brings them joy in these uncertain times. So to give Giamonta, to give Charlene a chance to think about it, I'm going to ask Andrew to go first.
1: Um so a couple of audiobooks uh recently one is Eric kind of out of order working through kind of um Terry Pratchett which I've been enjoying Eric is a kind of it's a it's a parody of um, Faust and kind of like the the um the divine or sorry D- D- Dante's Inferno and of um of like classical stories like Troy as well and or, or, sorry if, uh, and but no it, it's 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 it, 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 was, it was it was very enjoyable and quite short. I've all I was also listening to Toby Young read uh, Silverview the posthumous uh, book by John Lecare. I don't think it was one of his best and could probably have benefited from from you know being Well that's be, the
0: thing when it's posthumous was it posthumous because he had written it and chosen not to publish it or was it posthumous because he was working on it when he died
1: So yeah he he was he, he, he I believe it was his son um uh finished it but they said that that it wasn't really like um kind of writing a novel that it that it was more I think what was it he said sorry more like retouching a painting but I, I, it is still kind of very recognisable in terms of its themes,
0: as a as a Le Carre work, as
1: a Lecarre work, yeah. But it's in the age of 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 Brexit, and kind of um. In, you, in, you
0: forget how how Lecarre ke- keeps up with kind of modern culture and stuff like that. Things oh yeah, like, yeah. A most, yeah. Seri- a most wanted man and stuff like that. Isn't
1: that exactly. Way? Well, that was the thing is that like Lecarre was kind of like, well, I, I suppose I. I suppose I'm done now. The Cold War is over. <laughs> 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 Nothing's going to happen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, 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 I enjoyed both of those. So one was Eric uh, by Terry Pratchett, which is one of the kind of Discworld novels and this kind of satirical um, fantasy. For somebody like me who, do, who 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 never really took to fantasy and kind of got tr- into it through um yeah. uh For somebody who role never playing. really
0: took to fantasy, you have taken to fantasy
1: very thoroughly yeah yeah and it's not something it, it's not something that it, 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 like it, it's very it's it's an irreverent take on fantasy so it, it's it I, I i suppose like a lot of fancy, fantasy is very sort of self-serious um. So, um. Yeah, I enjoyed that. And uh, Le Carre, who I'm all, who I'm always recommending, and I'm nearly done with. And that's the last Le Carre novel, obviously. I have a few to but go chronologically that I haven't, yeah. um, uh, that I haven't done. But of, of, I, I think I've, 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 done every audiobook So the, the, the rest will be actual books well done. That have to read.
4: Yeah. That's, um, that's amazing.
1: Yeah, you got a bit like carried away with yourself there. Hey, thank you. Thank you. Um No, but they're, they're they're they 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 are terrific, and it's been a really enjoyable kind of like working through them.
0: Um, so yeah, so I think next April Fool's Day, myself and Andrew will be covering every John Le Carre, uh book. Hey. Of the we will not we will not be doing. I'm actually. There that?
1: are some <laughs> good adaptations. I was saying the Little Drummer Girl um, was TV show, yeah, which yeah, I refuse
0: yeah. to believe exists because I was unaware of it. <laughs> yeah. Michael Shannon, Florence Pugh. Um, Alexander Sarsgaard, and it's like this is a thing that existed.
1: It's John Carré It's um, did I say it was was it Park Chan
2: Wook? It's Park Chan Wook. Yeah. Yeah.
0: I did not know this existed. <laughs> I was like, Andrew, you're just making up names now.
2: <laughs> if you've still got um, if you still got your sort of like low key realistic spy fiction uh, kick later on, I suggest you invest in a copy of the Sandbaggers on DVD. It's the best spy show ever made. It's oh wow. 70s it's Ooh. fantastic. This is Sandbag. the Sandbaggers. So good. Yeah, the guy who wrote it, uh he was he he was in the the Royal Navy and then uh he well, let's just say um he used real life spy lingo in this in, in the series. You know, from the time it wasn't like archaic. He uh one episode had to be junked according to one of the actors because he included actual official secrets in it. And uh, he vanished under mysterious circumstances between the USA and the USSR, and no one know. the The DVD thing has a conversation between two of the actors, and they talk about the real potential that he defected. Jesus, okay. <laughs> wow. well, that, that, so <laughs> that, the right write, the writer, may well have been a spy.
4: Yes, that's great.
0: <laughs> that is pretty. That sounds like it's it's perfect for Andrew. That sounds like. Well, it's yeah, the, for the, the space. it's
1: it's it, yeah, like like it's interesting the extent to which kind of le Carre's life does kind of bleed into the 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 novels he writes as well like that that a perfect spy is kind of as close to because i listened to kind of part of the autobiography and then i was like no i don't want to spoil the, <laughs> the, the, the i don't, <laughs> I don't like want a... to spoil the books and uh yeah a perfect spy is is, is, is like so close to being his is his, his autobiography but all of his uh a lot of his books are about kind of like betrayal of um, like friendships, or the the the, the difficulty of kind of yeah yeah, and 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 the fact that kind of like Kim uh, uh, Philby had had um, had uh, blown him uh, not in a good way as 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 a smile. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. <laughs> I want to be very blown his about cover. How you that. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was the Cambridge Circus. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, all right, and. Oh, Charlene, do we have Ash? I was worried Ash was going to be a guest in the podcast. Not worried, but excited.
4: It's um, it's the other one. Daphne is like beside me he's shouting, oh. but um, but she's behind a door. so
3: <laughs> <laughs>
4: <laughs> She's saying, Charlene, let me out. I promise not to kill anyone. Promise <laughs> 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 not to. Uh, uh, if only way, I could believe that. <laughs> we didn't shout it out,
0: but a small moment I loved in the movie is the moment where like when he's holding Andy hostage and he's like, what? You look like you've never seen a dead body before, um, <laughs> which is just such a great thing to say to a child, uh, and such a great thing. Who has to... <laughs>
4: seen lots of dead bodies yeah. because of because that. of you,
0: yes. Um, and in a sequel as well, I love that. Like the sequel is basically around the premise of how absurd it is that Andy is in this situation, surrounded by dead bodies again. But Charlene, <laughs> um, what would you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment?
4: Um, I, okay, I have two things because actually I was inspired by Andrew there. Um, well, first I was going to say. One of my, the things that I adore most in the world, and I say that about a lot of things. Um, So like the fourth season of You, and I think it's going to be the the final season. I just love it so much. I just think it's so much fun. So like just trashy, knows it's trashy. As I'm sure you can tell, that's exactly my bag. For my, <laughs> for everything that I love. um, Trashy, but knows it's trashy. That's what I like. And the other thing I was going to say is an audio book which is Danny Trejo's autobiography, Wow! which which we just kind of stuck on. And I was like, OK, I don't know, maybe he left some good stories. But every <laughs> single story that this man tells is amazing. From the time he was like, you know, a, a kid in like gangs and then he goes to prison. And he just says, like, I don't even want to tell you any of the stories, but they are all absolutely incredible stories. And he tells them really well. And I've never wanted to recommend a book more to anybody. So, like, that's just so, it's so good.
0: Does he read the audiobook?
4: Yes, he does. Amazing. Yes. And, like, you know, what? he's kind of, he's not the best reader. Like, so he's kind of, like, you know, it's not, like, eloquent and beautifully read. Like, it's it's sort of him just, like, reading. It sounds like a person reading. Uh, there's something to that that makes it feel even more poignant. Like, it's really, it's stunning. He is Really amazing, interesting man. So I'd recommend that.
2: And Giamondo, what about yourself? What do you recommend? What are you enjoying at the moment? Well, first up, I will recommend The Sandbaggers. It's 20 episodes of, of vintage spy action done by BBC Yorkshire, I believe, in the late 70s. It is just so cynical, so well-written, so realistic. It is ju- it is a work of art. Um, But my other thing, it's a little film from the Philippines called Remington and the Curse of the Zombadings. This is a tale of a guy who gets cursed that he will become gay. Uh, and he does slowly become gay, you know, after, you know, falling in love with a local girl. But then, you know, she starts falling in love with him after he's turned gay. Then he starts falling in love with his best friend, who turns out, you know, is like perfectly fine with, you know, dating him. And then, of course, you got all that going on. You've got a you got a serial killer who's using a gaydar to kill, which is basically a, a, a laser beam type thing, to kill queer people who then, they, they kill the wrong person and someone else does necromancy and suddenly you've got a bunch of drag queen zombies laying waste to the town.
3: Wow. Wow. Well. <laughs> <Yeah.
2: laughs> this
4: is <laughs> a wonderful film. Is this a new film or is this an old film?
2: 2009. Wow. What is the there, name of it again? If you look up... Remington and the Curse of the Zombatings. If you look it up on YouTube, there's a trailer, but there's also this wonderful little sequence where uh, Remington basically for, never explained, he's just starts dancing and starts emanating, you know, light and rainbows and stuff as as though this is stuff, something that happens to, to, you know, to LGBT people that they become mobile discos.
4: (laughs) (laughs) If only.
2: (laughs) (laughs) Wow. That's stunning. It's it's very it feels very much like late stage John Waters in that it's subversive uh, uh, but not too subversive and you, it it's it does go across that fine line of you could this could be uh queer or it could be homophobic depending on who made it like John Waters stuff does but with this one I believe this is uh you know the it is queer not homophobic. And it, it, it's, it's, it's a, it's a really wonderful little bit of work. Cool. Great
1: recommendation. That sounds staring, Yeah. yeah.
0: <laughs> so that's Remington and the Curse of the zomb- Zombadings. Zomb- Zombadings.
2: Yeah. Zomb with a B and at the end and then A-D-I-N-G-S. Okay. I think that, I think Zombadings translates to Tagalog as, you know, just gay zombies. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
0: I love that they didn't translate that. I love that they're like we'll, we'll translate Remington and the Curse of, but
2: we'll leave that last I, bit. Um, yeah, it's a good it, word. It's like it's like Google Translate gave up halfway through.
1: Yeah, they're like let's think of a let's think of a pun in English that works, <laughs> and yeah, and then they just were like, no, this just call it what it
0: is. Yeah, just, <laughs> we're not going to beat it. Um, in terms of recommendations for myself, I should have it out uh, when we talked about uh, Child's Play earlier today. But Reign of Chucky, The True Hollywood Story of a Not-So-Good Guy is our primary source on this podcast. It's a book by Dustin McNeil and Travis Mullins. Uh, it covers everything that you want to know about the Chucky franchise, so if you are interested in what we're talking about, it's probably a good resource. It's available in hardback, in softcover, and as ebook, so you can read it at your leisure there. Wholehearted recommendation. And the other thing I would mention, just because I watched it recently, is with Russell T. Davies returning to Doctor Who, I've been rewatching some of his old stuff in the franchise. And I rewatched his Children of Earth, the five-episode miniseries oh, that he yeah. did uh, back in 2009, I think, which aired on five nights in the middle of summer in 2009, and that is like there's a solid argument he made for that mini series being possibly the best piece of like British science fiction produced in the 20th so century. It's so
4: good. It is. I I didn't know what it was and just flicked onto it one evening when it was on and didn't know what it was and like for it was the first episode and for ages like there was nothing to suggest what it was. It was just like an unfolding story and I was just like totally hooked. I thought it was brilliant. And I had totally forgotten it existed. So thanks for reminding me.
0: No, my it's my dad loves it. Like, that's the... My dad has <laughs> never watched a full episode of Doctor Who in his life. And he's like, this thing is incredible.
4: It me was, either. Like, I'm not a Doctor Who person. but I just thought that was so great. Yeah.
2: I mean, like, it, it's... pre uh, Previous series of The Torchwood, you know, generally the show was, you know, terrible, but it knew it. And then it was just... <laughs> oh, I love so, that. It's... <laughs> <yeah>, <laughs> It, it, then then suddenly Children of Earth is switched on a diamond became really good. It kinda reminded me of the last series of American horror story, where instead of doing the usual, you know, coked up soap opera with um with horror tropes, it suddenly turned into like a gonzo version of Angels in America. Yeah, like that that's
0: <clears> like <throat> Yeah, like to, to give an example, like, Torchwood is, like, a show with, like, sex aliens and, like, like women robots in the basement. Yeah. That's, like, the level that Torchwood pitches itself at on a regular basis. And then you get to, like, Torchwood Children of Earth. And, like, the most riveting scenes in that are, like, Gordon Brown sits down in a cabinet with his home secretary to decide what school league tables will be used to determine which 10% of children will be sacrificed to preserve the human species. And it's, like, wow. Yeah. It's it's stunning. I Rewatching it, I was... I knew it was good. I'd never gone back to it. Uh, rewatching it, I'm like, this is maybe the best thing that exists, um, which is quite <laughs> something to say. Um, yeah. So I, I would wholeheartedly recommend it. You don't need to know any Doctor Who. You do not need to watch any Torchwood. Um, you. It's very important to stress that. Diamanda's uh, right. Torchwood knows that it's bad and can be enjoyed on those terms if you're in the right mindset. But you do not need to have watched any Torchwood to watch I can Earth.
4: attest to that because I had not.
0: No.
2: So. <laughs> In fact, it might damage your enjoyment of *Children of Earth* if you watch *Torchwood* from beforehand.
0: Yes, yes, it might. Um, but yes, yeah, so I would recommend that. Um, and I guess it's kind of related to this because it's about like treating children as units and yeah. as like objects to be moved and traded.
1: We forget as well, um, like the tough choices that Gordon Brown had to make. Yeah. Thanks, <laughs> to him, we poor don't poor. have to, the UK's worst children.
3: Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm, <laughs>
0: If Like, like there is a, like, possibly the best line in the show is the moment where his home secretary goes, look, if we can't identify the top 10% of underperforming schools, then what are league tables for? <laughs> um, and, and it is, like, and it, it's, it's... I like hilarious. the idea of, like,
1: these alternative schools where they're just, like, you know, like... You know what? League tables aren't so important, and we actually don't focus on them. <laughs> we believe in like you know, kind of like allowing the child to discover you know themselves. And, and meanwhile, a know, bus pulls up outside like, a bunch under, of armed yeah. soldiers, so. <laughs> and, it's, and they're um, yeah, they're they're on the buses. Like, uh, do you have goat's milk? No. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Um, but yeah, so that would be my recommendation. All right, then. So if listeners looking for a bit more Jimonda, a bit more Sardini in their lives, where can they find you? Where you at? Watch up to. So Jimonda, where can we find you? What are you at? Watch up to.
2: Um, just look up Diamonda Hagen on YouTube and you can see my, uh, my videos there also on uh, Twitter. Unless it's combusted while I've been, you know, talking to you. (laughs) Entirely possible. Like, we're releasing these episodes back to back. It is entirely possible it will
0: disappear between these episodes. (laughs) (laughs) But Charlene, what about yourself? Watch out, where can we find you? Watch up to?
4: Yeah, you'd find me on Twitter as well, at Charlene Lydon. I don't do an awful lot, but I probably retweet good articles about films and chucky and shit
0: (laughs) (laughs) what what more do you want that is probably the best use of of twitter it's it's as
4: good as you can get on twitter (laughs) yeah
0: yeah. somebody somebody's like i i I should be retweeting other people more i should be doing less of my own (laughs) thoughts is what i my my feedback on twitter um you can follow the podcast at at 250 uh you can find us on stitcher on soundcloud wherever good podcasts are found we are look unless the reaction to this episode is is like monumental um, we're not going to this is it for us so we're going to go away we'll be back in two weeks myself and Angie will probably be talking about I think Star Trek 4 is what we said we're going to be talking about I think um, so. so yeah that's um. definitely on the cards um, I would not expect us to be talking about anything else
4: so take care charlene see you sometime in the future who knows when
0: yeah thank you for coming back for this one at short notice we're, we're certainly we would never ask it's, you to do it again it, like i mean it, it's a good
4: thing i love chucky i don't know how much i love chucky if i could ever do that again yeah, but. <laughs> I,
0: know, I know well it's, it's a good thing we won't have to find out take
4: care thanks <laughs> so us. much to you, thank you thanks so much, so much charlene.